welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast. We're reviewing the battles, the battle of the podcast again. Here we got two very special guests here again. We got Rob DePietro and Chris from Baseball Pods. How you guys doing? Doing wonderful, Zach. Thanks for having me on this wonderful Saturday afternoon. Um, good to get to talk to you guys again after our little Zoom meeting while we were doing the draft live because uh, that was a blast. So. Um, yeah, just reenacting with everyone and getting back together. It's always great. It's always a good time. Doing good today. Awesome. Chris? Yeah, it's awesome. The, it's been a, this is definitely one of the more animated um, drafts I've ever been a part of. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, a lot of good, uh, you know, good smack talking, good fun, uh, and uh, really good people. So uh, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that the, we're able to maintain this level of discourse throughout the season uh people, nice. don't dis- don't, people don't disappear when uh when they fall down in the standings yeah exactly well no, i think <laughs> we're, we're in so many leagues like i hope i hope i'm not in, far, far down in the standings in all of my leagues that, to disappear but i think i think it's been great um so uh, we talked a little bit before we started recording does that count towards my hour or no Rob? <laughs> <laughs> are we start? are we starting now no, we're starting now, buddy. We'll keep, we'll keep, we'll, we're going to keep this to an hour. It's going to be all killer, no filler. We're going to get, we're going to get the, through some hard-hitting analysis of, of, the, of, a really, of a very tough draft, one of the tougher drafts I've done so far. Very tough draft, very tough draft. But it, it was good because I, I prefer this. I prefer the competition. Um, I prefer being in a room with guys who are thinking on levels that we're going to need to be thinking on in a couple of months. And I want that now. I want that frame of reference now. I want those decision points now because um, it's only going to help me, you know, um, just looking around and seeing why people are picking um, certain players, um, why they're not, um, you know, I think it all adds up into my evaluation. Um, make just makes me a better player. Yeah. And you worry about um, giving away uh, your strategy, being so open with the podcast. And uh, it's something I think about um, and um, actually posting all your picks. Do you think that that hurts you? Because obviously a lot of people are very successful doing that. Like um, we see Toby and Phil gives away, posts a lot of stuff as well. And those, I'm just thinking of those two guys specifically because they both won three main events this year. Right. Right. I, you know, I, I just think it's, it's good. It's just good to hear some feedback. Obviously, there's some there's there's some people who will come with um, you know insults or 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 something that's very not valid and just taken out of context. They don't know what kind of league we're playing. They don't know you know what the draft board really looked like. You know, even though it was public. Um, but I I will take for um, you know heavy critique from from players I respect as well because. Um, you know, like I said, it, it just it just helps me understand maybe if I feel too strong on a player. Um, obviously, it could work against us, right? You know, you can get in a room and you could realize, all right, this guy's you know taking all my guys possibly. But um, I feel like as a you know, if if you're well prepared, um, and that's why I have a thing with like the word snipe because <laughs> I just feel like I used to hang hang my head when. Um, if a guy that was targeting got picked, but now I've just more adapted the strategy of like a quarterback who throws an interception. Like you just got to move on. Like you have to go to your next guy. You have to have that backup plan. You have to really know, you know, how you're going to line up your draft. And if, if, if someone that you didn't get in the fourth round or fifth round, if you're going to get upset over it and you think you're going to lose your league over it or something like that, then you have to reevaluate, you know, how you're preparing. I think I, I think that um, all I, all the talk that we have is, is helpful and um, 
you gotta I, I i i just say to myself really like we're all passionate about this but at the end of the day there's money involved but it's just a game so we're, we're trash talking we're like we're like uh we're like jordan and uh we're like michael jordan trash talking on the basketball court like we're all that alpha personality that want, wants to win but you can't take anything personally it's cool though. Cause like we play this game and we we're willing to share with people, you know, we have podcasts, we have articles, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and draft books and all this analysis that we're doing and everyone's sharing it with each other, sometimes private, sometimes publicly. And it's like, you know, there's, there's not too many open areas of competition where, you know, the competitors are actually telling each other what they like to do. So it's pretty fascinating that we do that and then compete, you know, it's, it's really like nothing else. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that you definitely can risk giving some things away, but what you're going to gain is much more. Right. So on the, in the aggregate, you're coming out on top, actually, um, because sometimes I'll give some things away and I'll be like, and someone will call me on it. And I'll be like, you know, I need to look at this a little harder. And then I learned something different and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to adjust. And then other times, you know, um, you know, I, it just reinforces what I think even more, because just to give an example of that, like a couple of weeks ago, um, I was in a conversation with a number of people like uh, um, Alex Chamberlain and Derek Rhodes, and we were talking about Ryan Yarbrough. And I was like, you know, like I got, I'm getting Yarbrough everywhere. Like I'm, I'm in all my best. Not here. I don't do as, I don't do as, <laughs> not here, not here, not here. My, I don't, I don't do as many. Well, I'll tell, uh, I'll tell you why. So you know, I'm doing this, having this conversation, and it was a really good conversation. It kind of opened up. And then I get in this draft and I'm planning on getting Yarbrough like later and, and in comes little uh, Mr. DiPietro uh, <laughs> snagging him. Like, I was like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to get him as my SP7 at the worst. And I was like, I don't think so, buddy. And so that like reinforced that that's knowledge for me right now. SP4. now that re- that, exactly. SP4 that, for Rob. So that reinforced my, um, you know, the conversation on Twitter was, was great with all those guys. Um, and I came out feeling good about my assessment of Yarbrough, which was, but then I got in this league and I was like, okay, at NFBC, if I'm, if I'm going to, if I want him, I got to go a lot earlier. It's a different right. ball game. And so you learn different, you learn more by doing this. This is, it's like a muscle you're practicing. Right. Right. Exactly. Just total muscle memory, like indexing things that you could just bank away. And I, I, I totally agree with that. I, 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 I have my own analysis of, of Yarbrough and I've always been a fan. And then, you know, so Matt Williams is excellent thread. You know, you see Ryan Bloomfield's bloom boards and his name pops up and it's, it gives you like, Oh, okay. Like I, I'm glad, you know, I, I feel much better about this uh, assessment. And then it's also too, like, especially with our league where ADP got thrown out the window. I, and I think it's, you know, it's sometimes as long as it's within reach um, reasonable, you know, um, reach to, you know, go up and get your guy, you know, obviously you don't want to go up 130 picks. Cause that's the whole point of picking, you know, picking first like style evaluation versus like ADP, but you know, you, you, you want to go up where you feel comfortable, you know, as long as it's not an absurd reach. And like Yarbrough, I felt like was one of those guys I wanted to really, you know, wait, wait to go back into pitching and, you know, come back in with him. Right. And I just, um, I want to give you, I'll give you an example of um, just giving out information that I w- wouldn't normally have done if I didn't, if I wasn't um, friends with you guys and, and talking to you on a regular basis and having this little group uh, of people that we sort of support each other. Um, Dylan Moore was a guy that I'm in on and I've been talking to Dave and, and Jake about that a lot, like, like um, publicly and privately. Uh, we've been just sharing our thoughts on that and um, like they're, Dave and Jake are really helpful and they and again like they're one of the people that 
that that are just part of part of this group of people that just help each other but also want to want to beat each other but we're talking about them and we we three of us like dylan more a lot and we're, i'm getting we're, we're getting a lot of pushback from some people he's sort of a polarizing player but we went back and forth and basically it's playing time and his performance and then Zimmerman came out with the mind in the news saying that like it's going to be an open competition between Shedlong and, and, and Moore. And then I found an article saying otherwise that, that more, it was more in Moore's favor. So we were going back and forth on that. And then it was um, basically what happened is I think Zimmerman quoted something from Melnick who said, who quoted something from uh, Mariner's beat writer who said that it's an open competition, but that beat writer also said that Moore has like the chance to get more at bats. So I'll tell you, I, I just, um, I've been DMing actually this, this um, the, the Mariners beat writer just in the, over the last hour or so. His name's Ryan Divish and he's the Mariners beat writer. So I- really, really good follow on Twitter. Yeah, I just, I just started following him. And then um, I, I, I sent him the article that he didn't write that had, that was more like favorable to Dylan Moore. And then um, I go, um, how reliable is this? And he goes, they've said it, um, um, Oh no! I said more and longer competing. How reliable is this? And then he goes, "They've been saying it all off season." And I go, "Thanks. I've, I've been hearing that Moore has a leg up." And he goes, I, "I don't know how much of a leg up it is, but they want to give him a chance there." So I go, "I appreciate the response. Do you think it's a? Do you think a 2020 season for Moore is too optimistic?" And he goes, "Yes, but I could be wrong. He will steal 20 bases easily." And he goes, "If you look at the Statcast data, if you look at the Statcast data, most of the damage was done on fastballs. Teams won't throw him many." So I said, I'll take a closer look at that. So that, no, he's, that definitely, he's, an, yeah. he's, a, he's an, he's an interesting, he's one of the more interesting players this year to try to evaluate. He's got multi-position eligibility. He's got that power speed combo. Right. Playing time shouldn't be, I don't think playing time is going to be an issue just because he's got versatility and you know, those kids are coming like, you know, I mean, those kids are coming. I mean, Kalanick and J-Rod and Noel B. Marte, those, you know, they're, they're going to come, but they're not there yet. And they're certainly probably not all going to get here this year with major roles. So certainly not. No, not, so, not, I don't think Mark. Not Mar not Mar yeah. Yeah. Not, not, not not Mar close, but I don't even, I don't even see J. -Rod. I mean, I'd be shocked if they, if Julio Rodriguez I'm, has like. I'm not drafting. I'm not looking for J. Rod. Maybe I have him in like one or two DCs, but he's not a guy that I'm really. But the thing about more is Zach. the thing about more is he's, his ADP is it's, it's, it's not low. It's serious. <laughs> it's a, it's it's a it's a that like you you it's a it's a plant your flag kind of pick you know what i mean like you're not getting this guy after pick 200 you're you know no. i don't know if it's like one 118 something like that i mean he's in those first rounds where you want to hit on those you know you want to hit on those picks you you you'll feel bad it won't kill you if he busts but you won't feel good about your draft if he busts yeah, I, feel like I feel about the price is is just too rich for my liking compared to some of the other guys who have like similar profiles who I can get like after pick 200. But I do have like a little bit of an attachment to him because last year he was like one of my first like in season, like really um, finds like he, he was a short sample. It was like three or four games. And, um, and it's wild because um, I remember looking at like max exit velocity and obviously Alex Chamberlain came out, afterwards in the, you know in the in the offseason talking about how like that one single um batted ball can you know tell tell a pretty decent story of a player um i just saw a ton that i liked for the, you know the in season before my main event i scooped them up um but i just don't like where i i have to go get him i mean you know what's what's the difference between him and chris taylor why is it 100 picks 
when Chris Taylor has done yep. it, when Chris Taylor's on a great team, like, and I do, I do believe that team con context, like you're saying, open competition, they're a young team. They're trying to inspire Mariners are trying to inspire a culture, like, you know, a healthy winning culture. And, uh, and I think that, yeah, I don't think they're going to just say, Hey, go long. Like you're done now. I, I think it's going to be open competition and maybe he does fall in line to less, um, projected at bats, you know? Um, I don't know. It's just, if you just look at just, I know his skills pop off. It, it, it's definite like um, the, the, the sprint speed and the stack cast stuff. Um, what scares me too, though, is the projected caught stealings for him and his history of being caught stealing. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't, I don't think it bodes well for a history of, of them keep giving him the green light. Um, and let's just go with a projection only thing over five, five projections um, for him and Chris Taylor, right? 19 homers to 19 homers run 68 more to 78 Taylor RBIs 55 more at 71 Taylor um, strikeout rate way, you know, pretty much the same walk rate, pretty much the same um, stolen bases. That's where you get it. 10 different, you know, you're getting a different than 10 stolen bases, but you're also getting definitely, I think a, a safer batting average floor. So why the 100 pick difference with 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 the multi eligibility? What's the what's the difference there? Why the 100 picks? That's why I don't pick the them range up. of outcomes. I think um, Moore has a bigger range of outcomes. It's an overall competition. Why? With, why did he have a bigger range of outcomes? Why? Why do you think his ceiling is so much higher than Chris Taylor's? Because I think he can steal more bases than Chris Taylor in a season. Mm -hmm. I think I think they're two. I think they're two different players, and also just in terms. I mean. If you look at Taylor's high end, I'm thinking something like 20, it's more like a 2010, 2012, 20 homers, 10, 12 steals. Whereas more is more likely to me to be the opposite. So I think they also, they do fill different needs and I get steals are definitely more value than home runs, but they're both, there's both. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a Taylor. I would rather have Taylor where he's going as well. Just to right. be clear than more by, by, by a lot, but that's just more because I'm more interested in drafting what I consider to be just, I want to, I want to rack up at bats with those, with those early picks. That's like what I want. I want runs. And one of the things, one of the things I think we, we focused on hyper, hyper focused on in 2020, which is a lesson I'm taking into the 2021 is like at bats plate appearances matter. Like that's like, that's the, I, I feel like we, we really, I learned that lesson in 2020 because we, it really mattered because we were micromanaging. But if you take like a step back, just in my personal um, approach to the game, I feel like I underrate plate appearances and that plays out in terms of runs and RBI. It's stats that we don't quite focus as much on as home runs and steals and batting average. So I don't know. Um, I, I do think, um, I also think they both have playing time risks. I mean, LA is just this huge, you know, glut of talent. Um, and, uh, but I, so I think Moore's risk is low, much lower than Taylor's in terms of that, like if Taylor gets in a slump and they're playing him somewhere, Gavin Lux is right there, or, you know, Edwin Rios's bat needs to get into the lineup somehow. So there's playing time risk with Taylor. That's I think much more than, than, than Dylan Moore's, but I, I'm generally with Rob on this one in the sense that I'll take, I'd rather get somebody that I feel better about getting five, 600 plate appearances from at that position in the draft. But Zach, I think you, your, your point about upside I, there, I look. There's 25 steel upside there, and uh, um, so I get it. If you're playing for that overall, want to take a swing. I think that just comes down to your style and your preference. It's just not how I approach it. 
So I don't Chris, think Taylor, it's wrong. Is Chris Taylor like full time? Like where is he play, uh, where is he playing in LA this year? Like where is he projected to be playing? Play to wherever they need him to play. <laughs> yeah, I mean you got you've got between between Lux not being ready to be full time, Seeger's injury history, which people seem to be forgetting really quickly. He can also play third um, if he needs to, and he can play the outfield. So um, I think that flexibility is, you know, his glove is there. You know, it, I, it wouldn't shock me if Dylan Moore was worth more than Taylor at all by the end. Oh, of the absolutely. Year. I, You're I, right. Not at all. It's not, I'm not saying that. I just, this is not my style of drafting is not to get to, to jump in on those guys at that level. And at the extreme level, that's why I just will have zero Mondesi this year. Like, you know what? Like, good. You go win the I league with that. that. You go, go. And I'm not, I, I could be dead wrong. I could be a hundred percent wrong. Like, but I'm just, that's just not the way I approach it. I just feel like I have a better chance with, with different players. So a lot of very good players really live and die by the project projections and, and like not well, use them very, um, they, they use the projections a lot. Now, Dylan Moore is a guy that I, I think you got to pick your battles when, when you're, when you, when you want to find these blind spots in the projections and him, like, Looking at his K rate, like he hovering almost around 30% in the major leagues, but he was way lower than that in the minor leagues. They're giving him, I think, like 27%, which is fair, but his, but his BABIP is way lower than it's ever been in the projections. And I just can't figure out why that would be. And also his stolen bases and home runs, like on a per plate appearance rate are just way lower than, than, than historically they've been. So the, the projections don't seem to make a lot of sense to me. I think the, the projections are very, very low on him. And like, of course, like his auction value is going to shoot out a very low auction value. So I guess a lot of those, um, a lot of those very good players that rely on projections are, are, are going to be down on him, I think. So um, I, th I I'm, I'm more optimistic than the projections say. Right. Uh, and I don't feel like that's a wrong thing, but I, it's just not a safe play for me the That's way I like fair. to build my teams. Like, and, and I even think Taylor is going a little too high because, you know, who knows if he, if, you know, if he could continue to sustain that level of success he had last year. So uh, maybe it's just a short window of recency bias on him as well. So, um, you know, we are good at just taking things in a case by case basis. Um, yeah. Just, and again, I, I have a little bit of attachment to Dylan Moore. Like, it, you know, he, he helped me out last year a ton. Even, even though I didn't come close to being competitive in the league, he, he, he was just like one of my first in-season, you know, digs that I found that I thought to be a difference maker. And That's the um, I, still, I, I still kind of, though, I, it's, too, it's a little too rich for me. There's a bunch of guys in that range, and that's, you know, seven, eight, nine round range that it's, it's, it's I don't know. I don't like that part of the draft at all. So at that point, I, I'm going comfort level. I'm going plate appearances and, and volume and staying away from the volatility, like Chris mentioned, of, of, of that and, you know, strikeout rates and things like that. And um, I don't think he's a total lock for, you know, to play all the time. But I could be wrong. You know, he, he definitely shown the ability to stay on the field with the multi-eligibility. So mm -hmm. just, it, I would it's just a comfort level thing. Just because we're talking about these two, it's triggering um, for me. I think one of the other overarching trends I'm looking at in drafts this year, and obviously you really need to check your league settings on this. But for NFBC, um, you look at um, uh, multi-eligible players, and um, I think because it was a short season, because we had players in and out of the lineup with COVID, because we were playing double headers all the time, it was the wacky season. 
there are a ton of multi-eligible position players. If you're using the seven game threshold, there are a ton of people in play with value. And so for me, that's really interesting. Um, And I'm going to be curious to see how that plays out in like the mains where there's just seven reserves, because I feel like you might, it may open it up so that you can take more, maybe you can stash the prospect you weren't, you weren't comfortable slashing, but you know, stashing before, or maybe you can take a risk on, you know, an extra bullpen arm that you weren't willing to do before when you only had that limited bench in the main events. And then in the, in the DC format though, what it means to me is you should use that. You should be thinking about that. And so first of all, if you don't get a number of those guys, your, your opponents are likely going to be able to stack other positions more than you are. Um, I think I, I don't, but on the other hand, I don't think you need to overspend early on them. So I think some people are like, Oh, I have to go get all these multi-eligible position players. It's 50, players sure but it's you run out of guys in the season if you've ever played draft champions you know there are weeks where you're going to be struggling when it comes to injuries especially players or players just sucking you know it's going to happen so you know everyone like craves those multi-eligible position players and they were a priority for me in 2020 going into the season and and, uh, i think i was right to do that but so for me it's just like just come up with every whatever your game plan is for those meps because they are there are a ton of them there are a lot of intriguing people. I and mean, we talked about two of them right now, but there's just like, there's so many. There's, you know, Mauricio Dubon, there's uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. There's just, there's they're like Scott Kingery, Kevin Biggio. I mean, there's, and they're throughout the draft. They're there. Um, and it's not just like the Marvin Gonzalez junk at the end, you know? I mean, there's some really interesting players at the beginning, at the middle and the end of the draft. So I think going into it, you should plan on, how many of those you want and how you're going to use them and then where you're going to stack. So I took extra pitchers, more pitchers this year than I did last year because I had like five or six quality startable multi-eligible players. That makes sense. Is they, they, uh, they, we talked about Dylan Moore for a long enough time. Um, <laughs> a, guy, a guy that I love. And I don't, I, maybe, maybe we'll talk about him a little bit later when you guys rip on my team, but um, let's get, let's get to some of the questions I have prepared for you guys. Uh, I will start with, I'll start with you, Rob. Okay. Um, we sort of tra- we sort we can sort of transition from when we we're talking about projections and um, Dylan Moore to just them in general. So I know that you're a big projection guy, um, more so than a lot of other people. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm a big projection guy. I recently started to put more stock into it. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off. Like I I normally didn't really try to look at them at all. Like I it's just the way I used to draft like home league before I got into NFC NFBC. But I kind of realized that I, I just need to lean on it in in ways I wasn't utilizing before. And I think just just knowing the limitations of what they are and just backing it up. Like just backing it up with with research and into, you know, but I wouldn't I just wanted to say that because I, I don't lean on them like a ton. Uh, like all, all of my evaluation, it's, it's, it's part of it. And it's been more of it than, than in recent years. And I think it's just because I, I realized that I, I kind of need to um, understand how that works. Uh, baking, you know, baking that into a little more because there's better competition in the NFC than it would be in a general home league. No, I think I am asking because uh, I've listened to you um, do a great job of describing how projections can help you and help you in, in drafting a team. Right. But in these draft champions format, formats in particular and the Battle of Podcast, which is a DC format, after a certain point, do you project, like, I guess, like going back to rotonomics, is there a diminishing marginal return yeah. projections um, when you get to like round 23, like they don't become as useful and you're more looking at like, you're more looking for, I'll, I'll call it a range of outcomes. So I don't seem so stupid by saying just like 
chasing upside, but uh, I'll call it range of outcomes. Right. Yeah. I, I, I definitely agree. There's definitely a point in the draft, you know, um, where players are going to become way more volatile and the projections on those players, um, you know, scream that. And so do their skills, you know, they, it, it could be extremely hit or miss. That's why they're later upside targets is because they don't provide that um, general steadiness you want to build volume on in a draft champion. So later on in the draft, it comes to be like, you know, we're talking about a guy, you know, like guys who have skills and, and power and speed. So for me, like, you know, not to pivot back to, to Dylan Moore, but to take the comfort level of volume early. And then for me, I'll chase later on Harrison Bader and Frenchie Cordero. Like I'll get those possible upside plays later where they are not going to be guys I'm relying on to be in, in my lineup all the time, just sometimes, you know? So yeah, I totally agree with later on, you're just, you know, you have, there'll be some guys who might just be a lot more stable, but the volatility later on in the drafts are, is definitely wide enough where, you know, it starts becoming more speculative plays than, you know, something you feel a little, way more comfortable doing. Now it's funny that going, going back to the topic of like later on in, in the draft, um, it, roster construction is so important, like yeah. from the, from the get go. But even I've noticed like, in, in, like with, with a draft this competitive, even like near the end, like in the last five picks, I'm still looking at my roster construction and I was very cognizant of my pitching. And I, I didn't like the, the hitters more than the pitchers at that point. But I, I knew that I want, like I'm being in these DCs, I'm like, I need pitching, like your pitching runs out. So I'm like, I need to, like, regardless of like, I'm just trying to find some, some starting pitching uh, starting here because I'm not as cognizant on the relievers because it's a standalone league. So I'm looking for a, some guys that like I think are going to get a chance to start, and I went with like Scott Moss and Kyle Kyle Cody on the on the Rangers, just young players that that have a little bit of major league experience, but um, could find their way to be starters because they're old enough and they just should be that next person up. But um, I, I did pass on like I've, I've said the name Seth Beer in our chat. Like, right, he's a guy that I really like, but a guy that hasn't has zero major league at bats. But um, there's there was a couple times where I'm passing on certain positions, be it first or first base outfield, because of just roster construction. So I, th I think the other thing about roster construction this year and just draft strategy in general is, and we were talking about this a little bit pre-show, um, every draft is like its own painting. Every draft is its own puzzle you have to put together. And that's always been the case. But I think the kind of craziness of 2020 and people just having varying opinions on how to do this analysis, how much to weigh it, how much not to, I think every draft you have to be really, it's always the case you want to be flexible um, more than ever in, in, in this year. I, I've been like in, in this draft, same in this format, right? You know, we, uh, we saw um, all these pitchers flying off the board early. Um, and I also you know, I was, I felt like, okay, I have to, I'm glad I, I'm glad I have the Grom at the top of my rotation, but I'm in another draft champions in the league is with, with Rob. And I think that league is drafting totally differently, Rob. I mean, I don't know about you. There was still that, there was still a flurry at the beginning, but it really settled down. And I'm, my team looks totally different um, with a similar approach, um, now different draft slot, but still uh, I just, I think that the chaos of 2020 is going to, I don't know what, ADP is very important and valuable, but I think that you you have to be very very careful to rely on it too heavily because people are just valuing the very the, 
the variance in the values is wider than ever and going into drafts i feel this year than anything i've ever seen yeah it's it's perceived value rob perceived value perceived value yeah (laughs) it's definitely it's definitely been two two different drafts for sure and especially like they overlapped a little bit and um it's it's pretty wild you know you put the boards like side by side and you're like wow okay you know like George, you know, completely crushed so many ADPs. I think that was like a running thing in the in our chat with Mr. Roto Nino. Um, George Martin, yes, wasn't yeah. a joke. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it just the roster construction thing. You just have to, you know, ultimately, ideally, you want to sit down and identify where you want to get players and understand where you need to take players you feel comfortable with and what to speculate on later. Um, I think one thing I learned this off season was reading the process with uh, by Tanner Bell and Jeff Emmerman. They have like a study on two star pitchers, and it shows how um, how much similarities for two star pitchers it is between um, players who have uh, preseason pitcher ranks of ADP between twenty six and fifty, as compared to even as deep as past one hundred. And two start weeks, they don't have much difference in their in in their in the value of their two starts. So for me, when I read that, I pivoted to like, okay, I want to go early and get my stable innings, and then I'm gonna pound bat. And later on, I I'm more accepting now of taking the Logan Webbs, of taking the uh, you know even Johnny Cueto or Alex Cobb, like guys like that where. I thought like, you know, they are not great pitchers and they, they will damage your ratios if you don't have that secureness up front. So that's why I, I like doing it like this right now, because um, that that kind of popped out at me. I never knew the the total impact of the two star pitches that deep in the ADP. The ADP breakdown is pretty marvelous if you take a read on the process. And so that's just like played a, a, a big part in how I wanted to build my teams um, in these early DCs. Right on. Any comments on like the, the, the latter half of the draft at the last 10 or 20 rounds? Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's crazy, but it's, it's like my favorite part of the draft. I mean, people think I'm nuts, but like, I love it. I love the later specs because it's guys that, you know, and in my draft champions last year, you know, I had like a guy like Alicia Hernandez was, I don't know, 38th round pick. And I only started him like one week, but in that one week he had two starts and, gave me like 15 innings with like a, a you know, a great, great ratio. So it's funny who can, you know, contribute to your team, but I really, you know, cause my, the way I like to do the closers right now too, is um, either I get one like in a 12 to 15 round range and then speculate later, like I did with last year's team, or um, I'll just even wait longer and just really pound and make sure I, I get like, um, especially in a standalone league, like, you know, I'm just hoping to come in like the middle of the pack. And if I get a couple of guys that can give me eight to 12 or, you know, even eventually get to, you know, 15 plus. Um, so that part of the draft, I really, I really enjoy. It, it was my first dive into offseason prep. I think I did a, a DC with Mike, Mike Masato um, right after Halloween. It was an early November DC. It was a fast draft. Um, like he likes to do it, which is great. I love it. You know, he pushes people and it's, it's cool because um, sometimes you don't want to be there for three or four days or, or, you know, more than that, obviously. Um, But (laughs) it was the first breakdown I did with bullpens. I looked at bullpens. I looked at free agency and I tried to 
um, establish where I think I can, you know, get later stabs. And um, so I don't have to invest early capital and closers if I don't want to go that route. And I think um, what helped me was really diving into each team context, arbitration years, and Alex Chamberlain's leaderboard too. I did a couple of filters with with you know closers and and uh, relievers per se, and I was trying to really get into uh, a micro level of like whiffs per swing and what these relievers are doing on such a you know small small impact basis on a bat per you know per swing basis because really they don't have that length to establish um, you know to for things to normalize. So um, it it's really it's it's odd, but it's like my favorite part of the draft actually. You know like. Uh, taking shots at guys like Kendall Graveman and, and Victor Gonzalez or, or JB Wendelkin, you know, the, all those type of guys, like um, it's, it's really cool. I, I I'll tell like, you, Wendelkin went in round 26 in my draft. That I'm in right yeah. Now. He seems like he's surging up, uh, you know, he, round 35. Uh, well, yeah. Well yeah. Like in November, I got him in like round 45, I think in the, the battle of the pods, I got him in, th- in, in round 35. So he's, he's, it's, it's interesting what, you know, I don't know what's exactly changing that um, thought you process. Are. You are the, the, the DC, the DC overall champ just took him <laughs> in the battle of podcast in round 35. That's really, so, that's so I'm, funny. I'm, 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 they should have to man a lit exact on like when you release a podcast and like the instant ADP <laughs> afterwards. Right. <laughs> I'm a, We're so I, I have a, I have a, uh, so I have a live pick right now in a draft champions against uh, yes. Rob along, yes. along with many other people like Paul Spore and uh, Matt Medica and uh, Justin Mason and, uh, and, and others. And I've got a decision to make live. So um, it's I the uh, pick, pick 373 in the draft. Um, my, my only open offensive spot is a utility player for the record. Although I did draft Cronenworth as my second baseman at this point. And I'm trying to make my decision between um, Jose Iglesias and Kike Hernandez. I think those are two really interesting players right now. Yeah, they just got signed. Wow. That's really really got signed. Yeah. Really got. So the, for me, the advantage with, so uh, Iglesias is I think, going to get a lot of bats going to have a probably a, uh, a plus batting average I don't think it's going to be as good as it was um, but a plus batting average uh, not a lot of counting stats not a lot of home runs maybe a, could, could, could get some runs depending on where he hits in the lineup out there and then with Kike you know he's got first of all second base out, outfield eligibility so he's another one of those multi-eligible players we were talking about um, lower batting average for sure I probably a little more pop and a little more home runs um, I'd, I'd say they're maybe a wash and steals. I don't know. Maybe Iglesias is a little bit more. What do you guys, what are you guys thinking? What's your feedback on this? This is a pretty close, uh, I think a close value. I don't, yeah, this is, this I don't, interesting. I don't like, I don't, I don't really target either of them. I would probably, I don't like Iglesias, but I probably lean towards him just because Boston, like, I don't know. If, I don't know if he's going to get every day at bats there. I think you're I think you're at bats. You're going to be safer. If you need, if you still need to fill out your starting lineup, like you, you got guys in Boston coming from the minor leagues that um, um, that could come up during the season. He could he could be playing every day to start the season. Then come June, July, he's playing half the time. I don't know. I really like Judah Downs. To I think he's gonna like. I I don't really draft many rookies. He's one of the rookies I I would consider um, because I do think he makes it up. Um, and 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 I'm saying at least. I'm projecting at least two, 250, 300 at-bats. But I love Kike Hernandez's multi-eligibility. 
but I also love Iglesias is, is steady, you know, contact rate. And, um, you know, if he makes it in, if he somehow makes it in, in the front of that lineup, could be pretty could it could be pretty interesting you know yeah, um, yeah. i like that stable skill set over uh the you know the i guess the up and down of kike but it it's also uh you know a, a pretty good skill set that he has himself you know this is i definitely think you i think you hit it on the head too with your early drafting of Cronenworth. it might give you uh the ability like you said you know to have another multi position guy there so it's interesting it's 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 a tough pick. That's a, a tough pick to me. Now let me yeah, ask, uh, let me ask you, Chris. Is um, Luis Arias available? Is Luis Arias available? Hey, be quiet. Be quiet, Zach. Yeah, no, he's got to be quiet. No, no, he's you know, no, I'm just you know joking. What? <laughs> I actually forgot. I actually forgot. You're there, you, you like him? Huh? No, that's fine. Uh, by the way, so Arias is available. Let's talk about him in a minute, just to give you an idea. I also on my on this team, like I told you, you, you fall into it. I've got, I've also got Chris Taylor, who we talked about earlier, Isaiah Kiner Falefa. Um, hmm. So I've got, and uh, just so those, those are my a lot of multi eligible players, and I've got Dansby's my uh, my starting shortstop. So um, it's a pretty good. Um, interchangeable mix uh, I think it, I'm looking the multi-eligible position is a, would be a slight edge for Kike but I don't think he is here so tell me about Arias what do you think about Arias Zach I think, he's gonna play every, I think he's gonna play every day and I think he's I think he has um he has, he has a skill set to hit for a, a good average it's not going to hurt you and <clears throat> I think he's not going to be not going to give you zeros in the power and speed category I think he's he's very much he's very much like um could, could turn could, could turn around value like Kiki um Kike or however you want to say his name um yet I think like like there's just they don't have anything in Milwaukee like personally um I would draft over both of them Arias and Orlando Arcia because yeah, I, I think Arcia, Arcia was killing in, in in the in the spring training last year he was just crushing it and um he had a decent season last year like if you extrapolate his like home runs and stolen bases and they're, they're nothing special they're good but he's going to get you like like he, he's a guy that's going to get you 15 and five at least yeah. he hit like 260 like he's w- way way undervalued in these drafts like I, I i i agree with you and rca he's one of those guys that killed me i like i i was one of my I, he was one of those guys i was in on early back in like 2016 he helped me in 16 17 and then you know uh kind of just fell off the boat and uh he's he's quietly regained some value I'm a, I'll just tell you right now. I'm gonna go. I'm going to Glacius here just because I like the high batting average floor. I, think. I like that move too, Chris. Because I'm also looking to like. I don't know. I don't put like all my stock into things like this, but I'm looking at the roster grid, and there's still three three teams after you that'll come back into like toward me, and that still don't have that backup shortstop. And I think now you're handcuffing other teams too to maybe reach for shortstops like Luis Durais. I actually don't like him. I was just joking. I think I was just making him, I was just making fun like Zach. Hey, I'm still here. I'm still in this league. But um, yeah, no, I, but I do like Garcia because I think he showed some stack cast stuff that kind of popped out a little bit. I think he's making little gradual incremental improvements that, um, you know, and, and he was a top prospect. And I still think he has, some 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 sneaky um growth in him so um I do, I do, Urias, I, yeah I, i'm i would take him I, later on but not here i, I do like uh like I, I like i like arcia i'm not, not a big Urias fan although 
he did have some prospect pedigree and sometimes it takes a little time with those guys. Like, I don't think he's one of those guys where I just, he's still in growth mode for me. Um, but um, I really, uh, the, the thing with me with Iglesias is getting batting average late. And maybe I luck into like the number, the leadoff or number two hitter on, on an Angels lineup. And I don't think they're done. They can't be done um, signing this off season. Um, you know, I do think, you know, either Brandon Marsh or Joe Adele or both of them at some point will be up this year to contribute, but I'll be shocked if they don't add another major league outfield bat right now to the roster. Given it's gonna the be crowded be, there should be some, hey. they should get someone. And another thing with the multi-eligibility, it, it's definitely a luxury to have, but now when you get deeper and you're looking at a guy like Urias, yeah, he's got, he's got three spots, right? But it, it, it's, he's not like good enough to me that he makes your roster most of the time. Yeah. In a DC, you could fill him in and that's, and that's huge. I'm not knocking that at all, but sometimes there's a level for me, like, okay, well, realistically, how many times is this guy going to make my lineup? If, if, if anything falls like the way it should, like the way you draft, you know, I, I just don't see a guy like Urias making it in more than enough to pass over a guy like Iglesias who just seemed like a bank for ABs, you know, and a great batting average. So I think you make a great pick there, Chris. Awesome. It's, to me, I actually, it was him or JP Crawford on my last wheel to get my backup shortstop. It was Iglesias or Crawford. I went with some little bit of youth and upside. Um, and I haven't really gotten JP Crawford anywhere this year. And um, I, I kind of like what I see in that. And, and, but that was my choice. It was either him or the steadiness of Iglesias. And I feel like I had a little bit of, of, of upside and youth that I could, that was able to roster. So that's why I went that way, but I love Iglesias. Good choice. So my next part of the question for you, Rob, was about yeah. free agents in, in this specific draft. How do you feel? Because I just the reason I'm asking is because you got, you got a lot of them. Like Bauer, like starting from Bauer. Bauer is you yeah, know, but that's I'm, not. I'm issue. not. I'm not worried about that. That's an awesome pick. But yeah. like as you go down, maybe take think, can you take us through your thought process to selecting like not just one, but like a, like there is an element of risk there, right? Oh, absolutely, total total element at risk. Um, you know, obviously you you want to be more concrete with guys, you know, and their roles and, you know, even still forecasting batting orders right now, it's still, you know, it's, there's some, there's some spots where you can feel good about it, but so like, uh, yeah, again, Bauer, I'm not really, you know, concerned. I don't think wherever he goes to me, it doesn't matter. Obviously he's still going to pitch. He's not worrying about a timeshare, anything like a position player. Um, next guy, I have Marcus Simeon in the ninth round. It's the first time I went, uh, my first guy, I picked a shortstop. Um, to me, yeah, I'm worried about, the only thing I'm worried about there is batting order. I'm not worried about job. I don't, I don't think he steps into um, a place where he's, you know, platooning with anyone. I just, it might be a difference if he's batting first or second and seventh. And I get that. I totally get that. And that might be um, a little bit of a value hit, but I'm confident in the skill set. And I'm confident that he he does hit somewhere at the top of the lineup. And being out of Oakland, I think, is huge, too. I think it's a, lot, a little bit of a thing that people mm -hmm. might be overlooking if he, you know, that that's a bad park for hitters. So, um, again, I'm not, yeah, element of risk, yes, but not really phase too much about him landing uh a good you know a good starting yeah, do you, job somewhere do you, um, go through your mind like scenarios where he's gonna land or is that not something not something you're thinking about yet you can't you can't really assign anything right now it's sort of ambiguous still in, in your mind i 
<laughs> for some reason, I think he's going to go back to Oakland. Like, he <laughs> like that, that, I mean, I don't think that, but I still think that's a possibility. Um, again, like I think as we get closer to spring training, some guys might resort to comfortability, uh, you know, teams that they're comfortable with or that we just were. And I think they're just waiting for the markets to settle and DH to come into play. But I haven't really looked into possible fits for him, like ultra deep, because I just think his, his skill set um, and to me, I'm looking what other guys are signing for um, who, who, who have like kind of like a less of a, a firm, uh, like, maybe overall war and position to him. And I, I feel like I feel real comfortable wherever he's going to go. It's, it's, he's going to start. There's an article um, in, on MLB.com about some free agents and they had some of the, the writers predict where they're going to sign. Simeon was one of those players. The, the options that some of the writers suggested were Red Sox, Nationals, Reds, Dodgers, Twins, Athletics. So yeah, I'll take all those teams. Yeah. Sign me up. Well, I think I don't think you want them to go. I don't think you want the Dodgers, right? That would be like that. That, that would be not good for his playing time. And then the rest. Yeah, I mean, that. I just think, think at this point everyone's just writing Dodgers because they can be in on anybody. Like, I guess they could put them at third base, right? <laughs> they, if they, they don't sign Turner, sure, you know, uh, or 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 maybe Kelly. second and Munchie goes to third. Uh, you know, there's options. Yeah. Um, you say Munchie? Munchie? How is it, Munchie? I thought you said Munchie. Munchie? Yeah, <laughs> I say Munchie because I like saying Munchie. Like I remember going to the, uh, you know, I used to go to the deli back in the day in Brooklyn. I used to get Munchie cheese. I don't know if you guys know about Munchie cheese. Yep. No. Chris is shaking his head. I love it. You, Zach? Yeah. I'm out of it. Out of yeah, you probably yeah, don't I'm have out, I'm out of in Canada. Yeah. Fucking that's, oh man. Shit, I just went back there and now I'm like, oh man, I wish I had some Munchie cheese. Um, again, uh, all right. So with <laughs> Munchie cheese. Um, all right. So who, who are you talking about next? Melanson, Cesar Hernandez? Is that, is that your? Um, I forget. Um, yeah. I just don't, I think he had like at least four. Melanson, five. I think he's landing a job somewhere. I'm not worried about him. He's, yeah, he's I'm not worried about this. I picked 23. I think he's actually maybe go back to the Braves. I like the Giants for a landing spot because I think they're going to try to be a little better than people anticipating. Um, so, and I know his skills, there's different cracks in the armor. It's, it, it, it's not pretty, um, but it, it, people have been, you know, I, I think the, I think he's not going to go anywhere to be a setup man. And I think he had established enough you know, clout in the league to say, Hey, you know, I'm ready to close. And I just think as we get closer to spring training, guys start getting hurt, trying to ramp up. He's just going to have a definite avenue for being a closer. Cesar Hernandez, I feel the same way. If you look at his profile, if you look at the war of other guys that are signing elsewhere, I think he's a bank to just go to a place and, and rack up plate appearances. I have no, no, no hesitation with Cesar Hernandez at all. Adam Duvall, He's kind of a guy where I felt like I was a little low on some power speculation. And uh, again, I'm not relying on him. He, you know, he's, I think my sixth outfielder. So um, just looking at the continuous run of 30 homers for him. And I think 16 in a short season last year, the type of guy who even in limited playing time, I think when you're in a DC, you could put, plug in your lineup with flavorable matchups. He has that ability to get hot and hit seven in one week. So again, I'm not really um, concerned about him because I'm not trusting him to be my third outfielder. You know, he's just like a, he's like a luxury power play that I, I'm just going to try to get in and out of the lineup when I need him. Cool. And um, who, you, who else you got? 
Is that it? Uh, was did you say Caesar Hernandez and Duval? Yeah, he went through Caesar. Okay. Yeah, because okay, yeah, I thought there was more because you. Should, I think in the last, maybe in the last DC I did, I I definitely walked away and said, "All right, that was too many free agents." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but, but I'm glad that you brought that up, Zach, because I, I I'm definitely 100 percent aware of that. I just, um, in in this land of cloudiness, you know, like there's so there's so much, you oh, know, that that's just, up in the Justin air. Turner, right? We forgot about him. We're, we're gonna we'll get him. We'll get to. We have a another segment that we'll talk about him on though. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so Chris, um, uh, you might, you might know um, the, the field in this draft more than anyone, because you, you, that's what, that's what, that's what your, um, that's what your brand is. <laughs> baseball pods. This is battle of the podcast. I don't think we could have done this without you. Um, actually we should have just for, forget the draft. We should have just done a bracket to see who's the best, uh, <laughs> the, best uh, the best team here. Um, but joking aside, um, that knowledge of everyone, I'm sort of going to lead into a, a, a different question. Now you've fallen into some nice acquisition cost in, <laughs> par- in particular, um, Biggio and, and, um, Albies who you uh, acquired in round four and six respectively. So I, I, I wanted to ask you about that and, um, like talk about the trap, like some people fall into. Um, and what, a, what, what you think a, uh, a proper thought process is because just because a player and I'm using quotes in my hand falls, doesn't mean it's necessarily the, the right action to take to draft that player. So maybe talk about that. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's important to have your own values coming into a draft and to really understand the field. If you like are just drafting by ADP and you're like, Oh, this person's ADP is really high and they're uh, they fall to, and I, I'm up and I don't, and I haven't taken them. If you don't have, if, if that's not a person that you value or a player that you understand, don't take them. Like, I mean, it's, you don't just trap because the ADP tells you that. That being said, I mean, first of all, I'm a big Albies fan. Uh, I love, love what he brings to the table. I, uh, uh, with, you know, our friend Matty Wood with his, uh, <laughs> he, he, he had some anti Albies takes in our chats, but we all know he's a good player. He's just, the question is how, how high should you be taking him in the fourth? I don't know if I set the max on him, but I, I'm sure it was close. And the same thing with Biggio in the six. Now, the difference between those two players is, for me, Biggio is actually – Albies is someone I'm happy to take. Biggio is not someone that I generally target. He's got a pretty low batting average for this high, this high up in the draft. Um, that's a loaded lineup, and as we saw over the course of the last week, his value can kind of yo-yo. I mean, his value kind of probably went up and down with these – signings not signings uh, you know that Toronto had with, with the signing of Springer and the not signing of Brantley um, and, but to, to me just to be clear the fact that they didn't sign Brantley doesn't mean that Vigio's value is solid here because if they were going to sign Brantley and they didn't there's a good chance they're going to sign someone else um, so that's the way I look at it so I just think you should you should have your own set of values coming into a draft and then you can look at ADP as kind of a loose guy to be like huh like this is interesting this person has followed me and and Going back to what I said earlier, the chaos of 2020, and there's significant disagreement um, in the industry of analysts right now about how much to weigh 2020. I mean, most people are obvious. If you say, if you give people an option that says 2020 is everything, 2020 is nothing, and 2020 is in the middle, everyone's going to take in the middle. But I did a poll, and actually, I was 
so shocked and uh, honored in a way that Ron Chandler included it in the preview for his in, the, in his baseball forecaster. Fucking so, awesome, Chris! I was, was just great. gonna, was I was great, just right? gonna I was say like, that I was too. Like, I was like, I was like, I finally got published in the forecaster. <laughs> we both did. You were in the, you were inside, and I was on the back. It was awesome. That's right. You got, a, was. you got a solid cast right here, Zach. You don't even know what you got here. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and so when you look at actually how people are weighing them, how much percentage, what weight, it's varying. It's varying a lot. And I'll give you another example of a variance, just a micro version of that. And I, I, I think Ariel talking to like Ariel Cohen this this off season and talking to Derek Cardi and others it, is just it's really fascinating and hearing them and following them on how they're doing this. Because like I was listening to a, a podcast the other day with Todd Zola, and he was talking about how he's throwing park factors out the door, 2020. He's like, I'm not using them at all. And he said, but if you look at like for example the Bill James handbook they did calculate park factors. Right. And so there's just a lot of variance right now. To, and with that, coming back to the draft, to me, what an ADP, what that means to me is there's so much value. People are valuing things very differently. So if you're a slave to ADP, you're always, you're never going to have a, a, the best draft. This year, you're going to have a terrible draft. So like <laughs> really, really understand your values and use ADP as a loose guide of where to take people. If, if Biggio didn't fit into my team build, I wouldn't have taken him there. I wanted, uh, you know, my, just to give you an example, I, I like my pref preferable way to do this is to get a, uh, uh, to, to build is to get like a bunch of 10 to 15 steel guys. Like that's how I like to build my speed just so I'm not over-reliant. So to give, so uh, my first bats were Machado in the second, Albies in the fourth. I think that's like, you know, 10 to 15 each from them. Conforto might give me a handful. And, but, uh, but now I'm, now I'm in the sixth round and I'm like, okay, you know, I'm looking at other teams and they've got their speed locked up. And so I'm like, you know what, Biggio, I think he's good for 20 steals. Uh, and, and he gives me some position flexibility. I was able to get Will Myers, which was I was thrilled about because I think that's another 10 bags in round 10. Um, and just that's how I kept on trying to build my speed up in the draft. But um, I just I think don't, you know, have your values coming in. If you don't have your values coming into a draft, especially an NFBC draft, you're going to get your lunch money taken. Yep. Right. I think I think I couldn't agree more. The, the draft, I'm in three drafts right now. And they're just like, like take closers. Closers are going like hundreds, hundreds of picks, like um, um, different. Like there's a hundred pick difference between the same closer in these different drafts. And you just got to follow the trends of these drafts. And it's just unbelievable that um, like, I know, if, I know um, there's transactions that are occurring like during these drafts. Like for example, Garrett Richards just got signed now, which really shouldn't impact, it shouldn't impact things that much, but it's just an example. But like, really like 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 to your point you got to throw adp out the window and and, and sharks are going to feast this year i think it really rings true um because just knowing like the player pool and and just following like how the, following the the runs of your draft is going to be really important this year and i find that like don't don't fall asleep and let 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 a position run out and i sort of had that happen to me in our draft and battle of the podcast when johnny l uh, by accident took Orlando Arcia for, for uh, and I was planning on taking him maybe one or two rounds later, but he took him <laughs> way above slot, which really is fucking meaningless in this draft because you got picked. I'm like, whoa, we got picked before pick 400. I'm like who cares? Because you've seen what's going on here. So I think it's just like, you really got to be on your toes in these drafts and you see like you're, you're waiting, you're targeting a player in like say round 27 and then you're looking for him and you start looking for him in round 26 or 25 and you're like, fuck this guy went in round 22. And you, got, you really got to watch out in these drafts. But you guys any, got any thoughts and experience on that? 
I was I was just going to comment on Garrett Richards. You know, I'm glad to see that the Red Sox have money for him, but they didn't have money for a generational talent. It's the face of the franchise and an amazing human being like Mookie Betts. Um, <laughs> a fucking man. They are. That was. I don't care. It's personal. What plan, personal I don't care right? what plan they say they have in place. That was one of the dumbest moves I've ever heard, and uh, I just got I've, I've ever seen. And uh, I was as a Yankees fan. Nothing could make me happier than right. watching, watch, watching them uh, trade away, you know, who, a guy that should have been the face of the franchise. Uh, and uh, it was just fantastic. Uh, by the way, um, I also, so, so, so that's, that's my only comment on, uh, on Garrett Richards, although I don't think he's a bad guy to, uh, to, to, you know, to, to take a little, to take late. I don't think he's, you know, I, I think, he, you know, especially in a draft champions format, um, they, they don't have any pitchers, so uh, you know you might, he's gonna he should get some run. Just like I think Eovaldi's a sneaky pick this year. Absolutely. Um, I I was I'm, I keep on missing him, uh, but um, I think I think a lot of people are in on him. But uh, but you know, you know Red Sox staff is a little undervalued, except for Sale. He's overvalued, but uh, everyone except for Sale's under, undervalued. Yeah, yeah. Hawks How, Hawks really interesting. I mean, we saw. I mean, you know, I like him. Could, could be a fluke, but interesting guy. He, he looked for real. Rob Erickson like sniped me on. Uh, he sniped we know me. you like Hauk. <laughs> yeah, but he sniped me early. Yeah, I got a listen. I have a. Uh, I have a little log. I have my draft boards up that you're in. I. I, I see. I see what you're doing. <laughs> I'm. Yeah. I, I got. I, one thing. I, one thing I need to. One thing I need to do is diversify my portfolio a little bit more. So maybe. I, maybe I won't be on in on those guys as much. I. I need to. I. I'm. I'm about at my limit with Dylan Moore because how how early he's going, but um. I, I don't mind that signing for um, for uh, GDEX. I like it. Yeah. Is that sort of like my nickname, like a Lou Bob, like for Garrett Richard, GDEX? Listen, I think the the <laughs> best the best. I was talking to Phil Phil Duso on through DM, and um, he mentioned he said Bobby Lou. And I was like, Bobby Lou. I'm like, that's actually a way better name than Lou Bob, you know, or Robert. And he, he, I think he, because he's a big hockey guy, he was a big hockey guy and he referred it back to um, Robert Wongo. Um, he was saying that that was his nickname when uh, he went over to play in Canada was, was Bobby Lou. And I'm like, actually, that's great. I think that should be his new nickname, not Lou Bob, but Bobby Lou. So Bobby Lou, I actually like that a lot. Better. I think I mentioned it on our live. Uh, live air event when I took him, you know, when I was reviewing my first couple of picks with Justin and I said, Bobby Lou, then I think I like that. that's, yeah, yeah. You just, he, just, he, just he, reverse he, it, right? You know, you put the last name first and, and you make something different. Yeah, you know, I, I honestly <laughs> like it better. You know, what do you, what do you think about G-Dix? Do you think that's going to stick for Garrett Richards? G-Dix, it's fucking great. Roll Chris, with Chris it. is just shaking his head. He's like, get, get me off the podcast. <laughs> Um, By the way, uh, one, one, the, one, one player, Chris, is, Chris is too mature for this. Good, good <laughs> luck. Not true. Good, is, good luck. Definitely, in, definitely not true. Not too mature. <laughs> good luck in trying to get him on. Like uh, Michael got, uh, you know, Michael Lorenzen, uh, SP Streamer got Michael Lorenzen. Come on, I don't think Garrett Richards is coming on your show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, uh, the, the truth of the matter is, it's like we're we're a generation late on this, but like there were a lot of people that went by that name, that first name. Oh, you, just like normal, like Dick and Jane, like that was a real thing, right? That was like the most. Dick Nixon. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, nothing wrong with that. By the way, yeah. I think um, I think uh, 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 we should talk a little bit about Puig. 
I'm interested in what your guys' take is on Puig because it's starting to look like he's he's going to he, his name is starting to emerge. Jim Bowden um, a little earlier this afternoon reported that the and Bowden's you know got some sources. He's not always right. I'm not saying this is Jeff Possum, but um, Yankees, Royals, Marlins, all possibilities for Puig. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm I think he. I, I, and I don't even know what his AP is. We should look it up while we're talking, but I'm just curious. As to, I, I'm a fan. I think that guy is 2010, 260 in the bank. Yeah, um, I agree. If he plays, yeah. if he's playing almost every day, then yes. Um, if he goes to a team like New York, um, I don't know. Like what happened? Like I, I honestly don't remember, but what happened when McCutcheon went to New York? So Puig just for the record is going to 242 right now in a NFBC ADP. 242 huh it's a little uh, bit steep right now for for my liking uh, to take him at 242 it's it's for me if you if, if he signs with any team and gets 500 to 500 plate appearances i think that's a bargain who 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 are some of the players that are going around them right now let's take uh, um, i would say okay i prefer yeah. senzel um, who I, I'm just going off the top of my head. Uh, who's going around that that pick? I love Puig's skill set. I mean, there's 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 nothing, you know. Um, he he just he has provided nothing but you know solid numbers across the board across the roto game. Um, just weird, and you know, I don't know. It's something that's making me stay away from him this year. But it, it's probably going to be a mistake um, on my part. But I don't. He just hasn't been in a spot where uh, I'm usually getting outfielders, and I don't know. I, I... That's fair. Let me give you. Let me give you a few people. I'll give you a. Few. So uh, um, here's some. Here's some. Some outfielders to compare him to around there. AJ Pollock, two twenty two. Austin Hayes, two twenty one, right above him. Right. Um, there's those. Are, uh, Lorenzo Kane, two thirty two. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jesse Winker to 20. Yeah, exactly why I'm not picking outfield. <laughs> just, so uh, I'd rather have Winker too many. for sure. Yeah. And AJ Pollock and Lorenzo Kane are completely in outer space off my boards. I guess it's just how many at bats you think he's really going to project for Puig. Um, and if I do take him, I'm going to tweet it out to Rachel Luba. So maybe she can give me a shout out. That's pretty much the only reason I would take him right now. <laughs> so he's he's going he's, he's going a little lower than that sorry so he's about 20 picks lower but still that that's the same that's the general range of outfielders rob you bring up a really good point i'm not drafting any of these outfielders either i'm not not a hard avoid on them but they're just not fitting what i want another guy right. that's in that mix for me is manny margot I just i just don't trust tampa to give anyone full-time playing time and then senzel's going a little bit lower zach he's down at 256 but the same range i mean you know the way adp is fluctuating that's certainly a guy that do you like Senzel over if, if Puig signs? Do you still like Senzel over him, or yeah. what do you think? Yeah, I still like Senzel over Puig. Um, I don't. I think if uh, it, it depends where Puig goes. I think if Puig goes where they say, yeah, he's our he's our starting right fielder, then yeah, I'm I'm going Puig over Senzel. All right, let me take a look at the outfield. Like uh, he's just had ha, have years of production over the possible production that Sendell always teases us with. So he, make, he makes, a, he makes so much sense in Miami. I mean, just the Cuban connection, yeah. they, they need outfield help. They've got a couple outfielders who you, you don't, who you want to give some run to and develop, but you don't want to fully rely on. I mean, I just, he makes, and they've got a little money to spend. I, I would love to see him there. 
I think baseball is better when Yasiel Puig is in the game. Uh, like I really missed him last year. He's a personality. He has a lot it. of flair. He right. has a lot of fun. Uh, you know, he, you know, he's he takes on entire teams. <laughs> I love it. Like, no, I, you're right. I love, I, I love it. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I think it's. I love the fire, you know, like yeah. I love guys like that. Absolutely. He's got a passion to play. Um, it's clear, you know, we obviously he grew up a lot too. You know, he came up and he was, you know, whatever, not coachable, they said, or not approachable. But I think, I, I think, you know, there's, there's a point where guys kind of just understand, like, this is your last shot to be it. And I think he's going to definitely get coached onto that side of the ball right now. Um, if he has any interaction with Bauer being under the same agency, you know, uh, you know, maybe speaking into his ear a little bit about smartening up and, but yeah, I mean, he, he's done it, you know, he, he, he's got the skill set, he's done it. And I, I agree with you, Chris, he, he, baseball is better when, when you got a guy like that, you know, running around wild. I love it. And his, and his teammates in Cincinnati loved him. Like I said, right. I mean, when I say Good he point. stood up, he stood up, he was a leader there. I mean, like, LA, but you know, whatever, it didn't necessarily work out, but he's, I, I, I think sometimes, you know, I think there's strong cultural um, differences in the way that the Latin game is played and the way that the old American game is played. Sign me up for the Latin game, 10 games out of 10, by the way, that's how the KBO plays too. Sign me up for that. I am. Uh, you are like Mr. Protect the integrity of the game old school. That is some w- old white man shit. And that's noise <laughs> that I don't want to hear. And like the mic, the guy that I just, like the guys that pretend, they, they, and by the way, they all have like double standards too. Like Brian McCann, former Yankee, right? The, you know, he was like, Mr. I protect the rules of the game. Fuck and then at the same time, he was, he would, he would, he would, he would, he would talk, he would like get all animated and angry. I mean, it's just like, it's okay for you, I guess, but not for everybody else. I'm like, amazing. It, it's amazing. Just, I just can't stand it. It's like, and you know, especially if we're talking about growing baseball as a game, I mean, like, let's just be clear. Like kids love that stuff. Like, I mean, it's exciting. It's interesting. And the notion that it has to be taken as some like personal attack on your manhood speaks more about your insecurity as a man than it does to the way other people play the game. I don't Amen. like, I don't like cancel culture. I hate it, but I thought they should have fired Jace Tingler on the spot last year when he didn't take, <laughs> when he didn't take Fernando Tatis's back. For, well, for you saw my, I, I, that was like one of my, I think that was my most viral tweet somehow. I took like this screenshot of Tatis, uh, his like first of Hosmer, telling the Rangers dugout, oh, it'll be a little yeah, yeah. handle it. And like Tatis's face had this little smirk, like, like whatever, man. Yeah. And, like like that, that thing went viral. But um, but awesome. yeah, yeah, Tingler, Tingler definitely, I mean, I think what ended up happening was, because it turns out I didn't realize he was, uh, um, he was uh, friends, he was friends with, uh, what's the guy's name? Chris Woodward, Woodward, Woodward right? Texas. Yeah. Yeah, Woodward. So, so Woodward, they, ex, I, again, ex-Blue Jays uh, infielder, terrible player. <laughs> I get, I get, I get. There was, there was a friendship there that it was a complex personality and thing to manage. But I'm with you. Is that the way he handled it initially was terrible. He he walked back on what he said and he worked with his. He realized, look, Tatis is your. He's the franchise. So you know, let's let's make sure that uh, that we back up our guy, especially when he did absolutely nothing wrong. Right. Yeah. Right. I. I mean, I don't know. I'm so torn on stuff like that. Like in the way uh he acted like tingler it's i know you said he backtracked on it but i'm a big i'm a big um one of my favorite books is called blink by malcolm gladwell oh, yeah. talks, right and you know so that blink thing you're showing is that that's like your mostly like your true self and yep. so 
that was exemplary for me, like saying like, <laughs> you, you can't backtrack that for me. Like, that's my opinion. Like you're just now covering up because you realize, yeah, this is our franchise. This is the, one of the best players in the game. And I think this is where baseball, it, you know, has to sh- like really smarten up to go to game, you know, yeah, um, yeah. You know, well, like, I'm a, my, my, I'm a big NBA fan, and like yeah. they 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 promote it to to make fans enjoy what they enjoy. And baseball's, and yeah, baseball's right? the only game where you listen to the game and you got people complaining. The announcers are complaining about the game. It's crazy. I, I, <laughs> that's good. You know, I mean, like it's like it's like that's it. Like they're, they're I'm just like wait a minute, why are we complaining about the game? But the uh, the other thing for me, uh, speaking of, of Gladwell, what you just made me think of is there's this quote, and it's. Uh, when someone shows you their face, believe them the first time. I think it's my age, but that's right. like that. Yeah. Like, you know, that's, I think, so I think Zach, Absolutely. you were right. Your, your initial, like, I think, you know, yeah, he, he showed his true colors and then he had to back down and Hey, I believe in giving, I'm, I'm not a cancel culture guy either. And I believe in giving people chances. So hopefully he's hopefully behind the scenes. He's really uh, rebuilt that the, the, the trust that it was clear that he had lost in the beginning there. Right. Absolutely. Right. Well said. All right, um, let's move to the defend your pick segment that I've uh, been doing with um, <laughs> everyone's come on. Who wants to go? Who wants? Who wants up? Doesn't matter. You pick it. Your show, brother. All right, let's go. Let's go, Rob. Luis Urias just got picked. <laughs> right before you picked again, Chris. So good. <laughs> I'm on the clock. I'm on the clock again. I'm on the clock yeah. twice. You're on the clock. Right, I, actually, I actually just made two two picks while while you guys. What'd you do? Discussing. What'd you get, Rob? Um, well, actually, I'm in a um, a Fantrax BB10. Actually, it's a this is just a, a free one for fun that Michael Simeone, the SP streamer, put together, um, and it, it's it's a pretty interesting league. It has uh, Doug Doug Ishikawa, Justin Mason, um, Triple uh, Cheesecake from the Triple Play Fantasy, Derek Rhodes, um, Bubba. You have Mike Carter, um, Victor Victor Anacola from SP Streamer um, and Mr. Eno Saris is actually in this draft. It's pretty, oh. yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's interesting, and he it was, it was cool when he threw in the chat. You know that he was uh, first time doing something or second time doing a draft like this. Uh, so it's pretty cool getting involved with a bunch of smart guys in this room. And uh, yeah, I was uh, on the uh, what did I do? I came in and had the I just did my eighth and ninth round pick. I'm picking right in front of Brian Seymour. Uh, Ooh, another best a good, ball, a expert. Best ball yeah. expert. Yeah. So um, he's made some great picks, you know, right, right in front of me too, right in back of me. So it, it's good. I, it's, again, I welcome this because it's making me better. Um, and I had the, I had the eighth pick right before Brian picked. Um, and I went with um, Nick Castellanos and then he, he actually picked Gausman on the wheel, which I wanted um Coming to back. get back yeah so he he went galsman and matt olsen i came back with paul goldschmidt to, to secure a first baseman in the ninth round which i feel pretty good about so i have goldschmidt at first kettle Marte second lindor at short my outfield is castellanos merrifield robert and yelich and with the grom and strasburg at pitching and i'm pretty soon just going to start pounding some pitching but i was happy in this draft because i had the second pick i went to the grom I'm flip-flopping. I'm making sure I have equal shares of him and Cole. I feel yep. better about the Grom a little bit and not, not just a Met bias thing. Um, it's just a pure pitching thing. And on the rap, I was just ecstatic that Christian Yellick lasted back to me because That's crazy. 
I, yeah, at pick 23, I was like, oh, and then, wow. uh, yeah. And then, you know, he more took Manny Machado on, on that wheel. And I was like, man, if I get the Grom, Yelich Machado, I was just going to be <laughs> like head over heels, you know? So, because I feel like, you know, I, I obviously points in roto is different but like you know my roto brain is like wow that's three of the top 15 overall players in my eyes yeah so, but, in the, but but i mean and that's a league where uh, in, in that in that format um you know walks count right and and, and machado's right. and, and playing time is you know obviously supreme and because you get 40 guys in that format and so and you have to the thing about that format is there's no multiple position players right, right. it's you get you right. get like merrifield's only an outfielder so that's another thing where you have to really learn that format. So I'm, um, I'm up in this draft champion and I'm, I got another debate, although it's, I don't think it's really a debate because I don't, as much as John uh, L loves this guy, I can't take Jason Castro yet. Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I want to get, I want, I want to get a third catcher though. Um, and uh, I think there's an advantage there if you can get a th three starting catchers, because some guys only have one. A lot of guys do actually. So I'm taking Jacob Stallings here um, nice. in Pittsburgh, just like, Great you know, play. Third, third catcher in a two-catcher league that's going to be it's a pure volume play. You know, he showed some pop last year. I don't think he kills me with a batting average either uh, compared to a lot of the catchers that even were drafted before him. So I think he's a nice little late value here. So that's two live picks in the draft. I think, you know, and why I think that's a great pick too, Chris, is because I think for guys who wait on catcher, and and do a double tap later on like where you're getting him as your third guys may start entering him as the first or second and i think he makes a great first actually if you're a guy who wants to wait um yeah. in a draft and wait and 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 double tap catcher later on i think he's an excellent number one option if that's the way you like to construct your roster because i think he got no one threatening his play and his skills are just good enough to stay in stay in the game so to have him as your three is ultimate luxury and I think it's great too because you have Posey and you know the year off and you don't know if it's gonna help him or hurt him you know so yep. um yeah great play I like it all right so Rob I'm gonna ask you about somebody that you know I'm gonna ask you about is Justin Turner we have a yes. little bit of back and forth in our group chat and I'll, I'll tell you what my thoughts are on him and I just want you to um defend 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 your pick here when we're when we're face to face because it's, it's easier to talk it out right now. Um, so what, what I'm thinking, and I talked about projections earlier and, 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 picking, and picking your battles with the blind spots. One of the things I pointed out was that the plate appearances that all the systems are projecting him for are like 4.3 plate appearances per game. And throughout his whole career, when he was younger, the most he's ever averaged was 3.8 plate appearances. When he was younger, he sucked, Zach. No, no he didn't. Like, well, when he was younger, he was terrible on the Mets. No, no, oh, better. sorry, sorry, sorry. Let me let me rephrase. I, is, 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 this was his average on the Dodgers. So from oh, age, okay. So from right. age. So when you say he was younger, I thought you meant his Mets. Uh, I mean, you can't no, compare he, the Mets. Oh, when he was on the Orioles. Uh, yeah. So yeah, he started off. You know, I think he had one year on the Orioles. Um, but yeah, he from age thirty to thirty six, and he's going into his age thirty seven this year. So I don't expect him to get better, and he could very well walk into an opportunity where he's not quite in that um, featured. A more as featured of a role as he was in LA. So I, I don't, I don't think projecting him any more plate appearances per game would be prudent. So them giving him 4.3 and that's pretty much across all the projection systems per game rather than the 3.8 that he's been accumulating. I think that's a bit high that that cuts off 60 plate appearances from his total. Granted, that's only like two home runs. Um, but um, I'll give you a list over the last decade, 
um, I showed you this too, I think um, I'll just read it forever so everyone knows what I'm talking about. Since 2010, age 37 or over, so age 37 or more, like in, like if you search on, on baseball savant, there's only been 10 players that has a season of 500 plate appearances, a 270 batting average and 10 home runs. So that's not, the, the bar is not set that high there. And that's Jeter, A-Rod, Beltre, David Ortiz, Victor Martinez, Raul Abanez, Carlos Beltran, Nelson Cruz, AJ Pruszynski, and Tori Hunter. This season, you got players entering their age 37 season or Cruz again. You're sort of like a, an, an anomaly. You got your Jay Turner, Guriel, Chu, Votto, Miggy. And you got a couple of those guys on your team this, uh, on this particular team. So um, maybe I missed an ageist here and, uh, and um, just um, projecting a downfall, um, being an alarmist. But uh, I know that I know that you're higher on Turner than I am. Uh, yeah, I mean, what I mean, everything you said it makes total sense. You know, I, I can't come back at historical data, um, but you know, I just nothing in the profile last year showed me he was going to slow down. You know, so projecting downside off of historical data when when looking at a player by player basis, nothing last year in his skill set showed me he's ready to do that. So that's why I feel comfortable um, with him as my backup third baseman. Um, so, I, you know, and I have some heavy corner options. So I'm just really anticipating. Listen, um, 400 at bats give me his 400 at bats versus a lot of people around that area is 500 at bats and i still think i'm going to come out with um a, an an all-around better um profit potential like because all across the board i just feel like he's just going to give me safe batting average um solid power um there's nothing there's nothing in his profile that i'm scared of taking right there i just um i don't know I, i'm comfortable in the skill set and I, I don't need him to be a league winner for me i think that's the biggest thing i just he's my backup i didn't it, he's not my starter so um yeah i don't know maybe may, it might be the wrong play maybe maybe there is a you know, magical um, air potion that just makes him, you know, not play as well as he did last year, but he still stings the ball as hard as anyone in the league. So I watched my eyes. I watched a lot of West Coast games this year, and he still drives the ball just as good as anyone in the league. So I don't see the skills plummeting to the point where he's putting up a Derek G to 38-year-old season. Well, I could definitely be wrong on that too. Um, or my, every, everything that I pointed out could pr prove to be useless information. I think it just comes down to different styles of drafting between uh, you and I. And uh, we were talking about Kalenic versus um, uh, Justin Turner, just in terms of what their overall and overall value at the end of the year would be. Um, so you, I don't, where did you take Turner? Like I pick what, 250-ish around there? I don't remember. Um, I took him in the, let's see, 16th round. So that's... Um, that would be like around, that would be like 240. So let's just look at some bats that went in that round, right? Garrett Hampson. Yeah, I'll take Justin Turner any day. Um, Andrew Benintendi, Justin Turner any day. David Fletcher, Justin Turner any day. Cole Calhoun, Justin Turner any day. Um, I, that's agree. Just, I agree yeah. on all those. I, I agree with you. <laughs> so that's why he's like, you know, the, the, the expected return for him at that spot was greater than pretty much anyone else on the board. And I think the point I was making too in the group chat was, you know, I think to 
realistically, let's just say Jared, Jared Hellenic gets 600 plate appearances, right? Um, what do you think his stats will be dramatically better than Justin Turner in 400 plate appearances? And if so, why? Like, why, why, you know, obviously that happens. The Tati comes up and becomes the guy. But what makes you so certain that he is going to outproduce Justin Turner in even the same amount of at-bats? Well, I don't see Justin Turner doing better than what he's done in the past. I see his his power is declining. I know we can't weigh 2000, um, 2020 that heavily. What do you see in Kalenic being, that was my question, what do you see in him being better than Justin Turner Okay. That. I just, I guess, like one, one obvious thing, like the biggest thing I can mention is the stolen bases and the opportunities that Seattle runs. And I think he's an athletic young outfielder. I think he's going to be on a team and they're going to, they're going to give him the, the leash to, to run a lot. I, I expect if he's up, like say, I, I'm, I'm banking on him being up in May, like conservatively. And I'm going to, I'm going to put Jason Hayward in the outfield until then. And he's going to get me some stats. Right. So once May's up, I, I expect, um, Kalenic to get me at least 15 stolen bases. Wow. Well, I think, I think honestly, you're going to be playing Jason Hayward a lot more than you anticipated. <laughs> I expect him to get me. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to backtrack on that. That's a full season. I'm going to, I'm going to say 12 stolen bases. I'm, 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 I expect 15, 12 from Kalenic over the course of May through September. Just um, looking, looking at his skill set and watching video on him. I think he's just such a talented player. I think the projection systems undervalued his batting average significantly. Well, they're giving him a 230, 239. I don't did, see that Did you do any number digs on uh, rookies that come up at 20 years old that have 12 stolen bases and 200 at-bats? Did you do any of those digs? 200, 200 at-bats? I don't know. What did you just say? How many at-bats are you going to take? I think it's like 600. Oh, so, okay, for 600. But realistically, he's not getting 600. 600, yeah, realistically, well, you can't bank on 600. But I think... Well, I think collecting- I think you could bank on 200, 300. Oh, uh, I- you can't bank on it, I guess. But I, I in think- a draft and hold, I just think that where you can't make fab when you're taking a rookie prospect who's not in the majors, not on like, I just think it's a major miscalculation. That's just my opinion. You know, I, I'm using the volume. I'm using guys who have jobs. Take the speculation later on another prospect. That's why I, I'm anti where you took Hellenic because it you have no ability you took so many zeros last year and you openly admitted it you took zeros across the board from guys like Gore and 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 I you know you, you you've said it on your podcast that you've learned from it and to me it doesn't look like you did well I talked to I said pitching <laughs> I, I would never take I would I would steer away from those prospect pitchers I never said I would stay or I would steer away from the hitting completely and I was um it's still a risk though you don't think that's a big risk it is but he like I'm I'm a lot more confident like I'm a lot more confident in him coming up and once he comes up to perform reasonably. Um, and I, and, and I've, I've also backed him up with some, some steadier guys in the outfield um, in case he doesn't. So I, I'm not completely hamstrung um, in my outfield because I have, who did I take other than Hayward? I took Tyler O'Neill, Jaron Haran, another prospect play Lane Thomas. Lane Thomas, Brian O'Grady, Brent Rooker. You you think you you feel comfortable with that? I I don't see I don't see you having five outfielders with five hundred plate appearances. Five outfielders with five hundred plate appearances, and I think that's the magic number you need in the DC. I don't think you have that because you I think you went wrong with um, a Jared Kalenic. But again, like uh, he 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 could be the guy that comes up and wins the league, like Tatis did, you know, and plenty of other rookies did. So I'm not saying that's not in the realm of happening, just the probability play and the pro and you don't have fab, you know, you can't make moves. 
I just think it can burn you, you know? And that's why I'm like anti that versus taking a guy like Justin Turner. Yeah. No, you mean, I can't, like you said, I can't really argue that, but yeah, I, um, I feel the probability is, is there that he's going, he's going to produce for me. Right. I could be, I could be wrong. Right. No, I could, I could definitely be, listen, we're so we're right and wrong. Different, a lot. Different, so different yeah, it's, that's the thing. Like, and, and uh, who knows, Justin Turner can take a nose dive or maybe he doesn't sign. Maybe he goes to play in Japan. Who knows? I'm, I'm looking at my team and um, <laughs> Dylan Moore can move into the outfield, right? Yep. Another guy with, I'm, 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 I'm with, uh, <laughs> I'm with, uh, um, I'm generally um, with Rob on this one though, in terms of format. I'm more likely to take uh, Kalanick in in a main in a place where I've got Fab. Um, in a, in, a, I, in I made this mistake last year with um, with uh, to an extent I would say with with Adele and Carlson. Not that they didn't get some run, but I, I overdrafted them. Carlson uh, Carlson right. burned me where I got him too. So yeah, they I, I I took the shots, and it's not like look, you know, like you said, Tatis happened too. But the point for me is. You know, I'm willing to take that risk in a place where there's going to be where I can churn in a place where I've just got, you know, I got to sit with this all season. Um, you know, I, you know, the guy that the guy, I'll give you an example of a guy that took everywhere last year and it, and it, it totally burned out, didn't work out, but it also, where I took him, it didn't matter that much. I had like Khalil Lee everywhere, like, cause he was on the Royals. He was at the right age to be called up. He was on the top of their depth chart. I figured out oh, Khalil Lee will get the call this year. It'll happen. It didn't. But where I was taking them was like the last three or four picks. In the, yeah, in the I was going to say it's not. It, does, it, was, it doesn't matter. It's like I mean, you get, that's that's where I will. That's where I'm more likely to take a shot. Although the way I'm drafting this year, to be honest, I'm just stacking bats at the end of major league bats that are going to get. Or sorry, stacking arms with those last picks uh, that are just filling bullpen arms, taking shots on just guys that'll get some innings for me one way or the other. And hope because you some of those most of the guys won't work out, but one or two might. And if one or two do, you end up you might end up with a closer, or you might end up with you know a relief a reliever that gets into a rotation and has a good half season. I mean that's what happens. So yeah, uh, I see you took a lot of arms near the end. I think I think that I think that is a strategy strategy to wait and get the arms in the arms near the end and make sure you um, get your hitting. Um, like in, in the rounds where, where, where you're talking, like your Iglesias and the, like Stallings, make sure you, you load up on your hitting, like because hit, hit, like at bats run out in these DCs real quick. So like I think getting Hayward, I, I was able to get Hayward in my other draft I'm in around pick 400. I was really thankful That's great. to do that. Yeah, he, he's, he, he's those, that's an excellent pick. He, he didn't have a bad year. Like, I mean, I, yeah. looked, I, I he, you look, I mean, I don't think he's going to repeat but he was one of the, and the Cubs had a bats had a down year, but Hayward was, he probably was earned his contract as much last year as any other year in terms of, you know, he was one of the most valuable bats on the Cubs and he wasn't a bad hitter. Yeah. League, league specific, like we keep talking about the context of the draft champion, the guy doesn't come out of the lineup. <laughs> and that's why I guess, that's why I was saying you're going to, he's going to be in your lineup pretty much all year long. Yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. And like, I'm, I'm learning from, from, from talking to guys like you, obviously, and me, like a, D, a DC overall winner. And I'm really thankful. I'm lucky in this draft that I was able to get it. <clears throat> right. The, the it, whole chat was a fucking lesson, Dak. It's a, a great, great point. Right? Uh, I mean, relax, 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 Rob. No, it was, though. I mean, it, everyone, it, it, it's 
all that info that we were absorbing in in the chat is was was wonderful. People are debating their picks, and then you have the podcast too that people are talking about it, and it's 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 great. It's just invaluable information that you hear from everyone giving their thoughts and their thought process. So yeah, I mean, I I I'm still learning too, brother. We're all just trying to get better, you know. I'm not I'm not sitting on I'm not resting. I'm trying to get better. Everyone's trying to get better. So one, one thing I was talking to Dave and Jake today about was um, I should have, I should have backed up more with a shed long just to handcuff him, just like a small thing, because it just would have given my team a lot more safety, but yeah, you can make the argument that shed long fucking sucks. But um, of course it was Jorge who got him. Um, who who are you having all with Jake and Dave? No, I was talking. No, I, no, I was just talking. No, no. Are you getting oh. them on to? Oh yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, we're doing that Monday with uh, Justin Mason. Oh, that's nice. That's, that's it. <laughs> yes. Awesome, bro. Good work with all this stuff, man. This is, it's great. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's awesome, man. The, some great podcast. I, I, I listen to the Matt, you know, I, I listen to all of them. All I of listen those. to all of yours. We're, we're, just, we're just sucking each other off right now. Like crazy. Yeah. And, and Maddie Wood and, and, and you uh, know what? Chris, Chris probably listens to both of ours. So it's, 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 it's right now. <laughs> and, yeah, but I really, the dynamic of Maddie Wood and, and oh, Simeone, great. it was great, man. Yeah. Like, it was one of the most enjoyable pods. They, they were, it, it was so funny how they ended up like being in love with each other's picks at the end when they're like, Why, why were we bashing each other in the, in the chat? And it was, it was pretty cool. And then by the end of the pod, they're like, Maybe we should do a team together. It was, it was pretty cool to see it was how it's like that a romantic involved. comedy at first. Yeah, no, it was like, great, man. It was, it was, it was awesome. So well, uh, I know we, I know we're obviously going along in my podcast as usual, but I still got to call Chris out on his pick. Um, no worries. Uh, yeah, no um, worries, man. AJ Puck. So you took him, uh, mm. just just where you took him. Given like for me, I'm thinking injury history, um, innings, blah blah blah. There's just other pitchers around there that I would. Pers- it's just a personal opinion that I would have that I would have preferred being one being Kopech. Um, I know he's no he's no um, um, picture of health himself. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, I'm trying to find uh, where he went. Um, there he is. So after him, Loret, like Lorenzen, Kopech, just listing some of the players that went after him. Um, Cease, and then, well, y- y- Yates is like hindsight, who cares? Um, and then um, like some, some of the relievers like Stalmount and, um, and uh, Diekman. Um, so, yeah. So maybe like what, what, what I guess you really like Puck uh, for the, for his upside. Yeah. I mean, so I think, um, so I think a couple of things. One, I, I like I've always liked Puck as a prospect. As a prospect, I think he has the upside to be one of the best pitchers in baseball. I mean, like he's he's not like uh, you know uh, he's one of those p- pro- pitching ar- uh, uh, pitching arms that has that ace, true ace upside, which I don't think most pitching prospects do. That's number one. I mean, you look at his K to nine numbers in the minors, and he flashes thirteen and fourteen for nine. And I know I'm supposed to use K percentage, but I'm not. Uh, sorry, but uh, I'm still I'm still on that journey of making that transition from the K to nine to the K percentage. But um, <laughs> yeah, he's a uh, he's a uh, um, he's had like elite 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 upside. He's also got tons of injury issues. But I took him in the 25th round, and the guys around there all have challenges. Like right. I mean, Kopech hasn't pitched since 2018, and there's obviously you know there's other stuff off field. Hope he's getting it right. Uh, you know that he took the season off last year. You know. We all go through things, so um, hope, I'm hoping all turns out well for him. Nothing would make me happier if he came back and had a phenomenal year with, with the White Sox. But Oakland, Oakland has a lot of uh, um, 
opportunities. I mean, if I think Puck will get a shot if he's healthy and right. He'll be in the rotation. And if he's in the rotation, maybe I catch fire and, and you know, get a, a, you know, a number three starter, or number four starter here. Um, you know, I'm not expecting him to be a miracle, but I think it's a good park to pitch in. I think he's got high strikeout potential. And the other thing that I did a little bit with, with Oakland, because I like a lot of their, um, their late arms, that's one of the other reasons I t- picked him um, over someone like, uh, like, uh, like Kopech, actually, is um, I got like Grant Holmes and James Caprelli in late. Those are a couple of super late fly- flyers. Those guys, maybe, you know, it's, so it's kind of like a, a, a stack of the late Oakland arms. Um, huh. I would have loved, I love Dalton Jeffries. I'm a big Dalton Jeffries guy. I didn't get him here. I missed out on him. Um, I, so I love, I, I'm a huge Jeffries guy. I, I really believe in him. And, you know, odds are Puck doesn't give me, um, uh, you know, more than, I don't know, 80 innings, 70 innings, but I think the innings will be good. And that's the other thing. Like, I think like, I feel like when I'm setting my lineup, if he's, if he's healthy, there's going to be a lot of teams I'm, I'm going to want to put him in against. So I actually think I'll, I'll, I'll be likely to use him um, for those 78 innings because a lot of these guys, you're getting, you know, whatever. You like. I also have, like, Wade Miley, who I took obviously a lot later. I'm trying to imagine the time when I'm going to feel good about putting Wade Miley <laughs> in my lineup unless he really, really writes the boat. That was just a straight innings pick. But, um, no, I, and, you know, by the way, that's another kind of stack I took. I, I, I took Miley. I also took Nick Lodolo. That's a prospect that I did take a shot on just because I think he's on the verge of getting the call up from the Reds. And I think he's one of the more mature pitching prospects, ready to have an impact pitching prospects out there. So, you know, I, I don't think I love Puck. I like his upside, but it was a strategy where he's not one of my, I'm not, he's not one of my top nine pitchers. I think he's like my 10th or 11th. And I'm with, with so many, so much depth in this league, I made sure to get a couple of other guys on that team though. So I think I'll get some innings out of that back end of that Oakland rotation and hopefully they're his because I think his will be the best. I like the fact that you backed him up. I'm, I'm a big monopoly board type guy in these drafts and like, like John L to, to sort of handcuff players. So I think that, that you mentioned you got some of the other like options that could come up is, is important. So um, th- um, thanks for explaining that. And like, um, I don't want to take up too much of your time here, but um if you want to, you can, um, everyone that's come on has roasted my team and Rob already kind of did, um, but, um, I'm saying like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing, the, I'm doing this league to learn as you guys are. So if you, if you want to point out anything on my team that you would have done differently, you see a pick that's obvious, like, Oh, you should have, you should have zigged where you zagged or something like that. Yeah, sure. I mean, we all need feedback. Uh, you know, uh, Rob's the only one on this, on this, uh, podcast that has won an, an overall. So, um, Rob, you, know, you, you, listened, you listened yesterday. I had your back though, and when Mike was when Mike was ripping on your team, and I'm like, Mike, has, has either of us won an overall DC? And he didn't. <laughs> by, by the way, whose whose team did Mike like? I forget. He liked yours. <laughs> he liked, he liked yours. He liked, he liked yours. He liked uh, George's, and he gave Maddie Maddie Wood like half credit. But that's good. This one is good. At, at first, at first he, went, he went after he went after you, Rob, a little bit, and then he started talking about other teams. And well, like, like it's easy. He's going after Rob because that's what you do. You go after the champ. I mean, that's the thing about Rob. Rob's in a great position, right? Because you know he, he he's like you know when you're on top, that's when people take their shots at you. So, yeah, it's like, I mean, it, I, it's like it's like he's he, Mike the Mouth is doing prison mentality. You get you get into the prison. What do you do? You go after the fucking biggest guy, right? That's right. <laughs> to, show, to show you're tough. <laughs> He's, he's, he's prisoner mentality. We, we, we all learn this from Shawshank Redemption. Um, <laughs> um, so, so just, just to go back to go back to back to your team. Big, I mean, so we to cover a, a couple of things here. Um, 
I like I, I would not I don't like taking uh, a reliever at the top uh, in the top you took Hendricks in the fourth round nothing I have nothing bad to say about Hendricks oh, I don't love that move either yeah yeah, I, I never wanted to, I never, like, Kirby, it was Kirby Yates last year, remember? I mean, Kirby Yates mm-hmm. went, like, the third or the fourth round, of, it was, and it's just, like, they're so volatile, things can go wrong so quickly, and their their value is so tied to, to saves. For me, it's just too high a risk pick. I mean, the thing, um, you, I thought, I mean, you put you planted your flag on Urias. Um, you know, I, I'm not a, I, I like him a few rounds later. I thought that was a little early. Um, I loved where you got Fran Mill, by the way. I thought that was uh, um, he's going to be an outfielder. I mean, you need someone to play out there, so he's not going to be utility only. Uh, I'm Kellenic, uh, I like. So maybe I do have five hundred bats in the outfield. Hey, you might. No, no, you <laughs> might. You might. You might. The pick that that I that uh, I really liked what you did, um, like pick you in rounds twenty three to twenty five. So first of all, you know, you took Sims. I would. I like Garrett to win the job, by the way. But I think Sims will have value either way. Um, and it pissed me off because I was planning on getting uh, the You pissed both. me off too. I wanted to get both of them as well. <laughs> and then I think Brandon Belt, the 24th, is a is a guy that's interesting. Now, I will be honest with you. I have been like a Belt guy forever. Uh, my wife's a Giants fan. They're my second favorite team. Uh, the baby giraffe I've always loved. Um, he's just a guy like I always see the upside in that guy. But I think I, he did it last year. People, you know, I think we've been waiting for Brandon Belt to do stuff for so long. He did it last year. And no one's believing it. So I'm like, wait a minute. For years, we were waiting for Brandon Belt to be the Brandon Belt we thought he could be. Now he did it. Granted, 60 games, I get it. But he did it. And now no one's drafting him like he did it. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? I'm so glad you brought that point up because I feel like it's the same way about Teoscar Hernandez, right? We were all anticipating this last year. Like, maybe he could be the guy. He became the guy. And now people are like, hold on, pump the brakes. It, it's funny how we, how we, you know, how we build ourselves up and then something happens and then we're like, we're questioning even more. It's a great point, Chris. I love that point. Yeah, the, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, he, we've been waiting for Belt for like six years, probably, right? Seven years. Yeah, I, mean, I know, right, right. HQ, HQ, HQ was like HQ's breakout pick, probably like 2009 or something, you know? Absolutely, uh, right. We've been waiting, we've been waiting. But no, I, the other, just the only other thing um, the, that I was going to say, I like that part of the draft. I'm, I'm looking at your starting innings and it looks a little like. Yeah, it is. That's, that's to me, to me, like you've right. got, and, you know, Garrett Richards, then you know he signed with the Sox. Fantastic for you, but I mean, is he going to give you 100 innings? You know what I mean. I think in order to compete, you're going to really need someone. Like, you're going to need like Braylon Marquez, who's got he's got the pedigree, that's for sure. But you're going to need him to like get a path, to, or Justin Dunn, or someone like that to really. You're going to need a couple yeah. of these young arms. Justin Dunn's like got a space filler from from. Or, no, no, no. I think or or Tanner Hawk or TJ Anton. Like you need a lot of those. Guys. You need like more than one of those guys to hit. I think in order to, to, to compete pitching the way you want. I, I agree. I tend to agree. Um, the, the good thing, the one thing I do like about Richards and even before he signed with Boston is yeah. Like you expect him to get injured, but if I'm going to be taking like shots on like the Braylon Marquez's and um, Balazovic on the twins, who I like a lot, um, like he's a, he's the bridge to that. So he, he, he can pitch for April or May and then just, and just like have his arm fall off. And then some, hopefully some of those rookies are um, on their way up or have found a role. Hopefully, um, so that's one route that uh, could go could go well for me. 
But yeah, um, I agree no, with I think Chris, that, though. Like, I, I think there's a lot of risk in your pitching staff and definitely not enough volume. And I think that's going to hurt you. Um, uh, I think one way it can, it, can, it can be bolstered is I think you're putting a lot of weight into Kluber and Pineda, you know, in round 15, 16, you know, maybe good stabs at that point. But I just don't see them giving you – even Woodruff, you know, if I, I, I love the skills and he might get a decent amount of volume, but mm. I think, I think when you went back with Hendricks uh, or, or maybe having Goriel and then having three outfielders in your first six picks, I think maybe you could have pivoted to two pitches there, like, well, not gone Hendricks um, and just, you know, try to just accumulate arms. Like you could have had Carlos Carrasco. Um, yeah. You know, I instead of thought Hendricks. about that that's to me that's a mistake you know to me that's 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 where I would have you know even gone to you know I know Maddie would be talking about um Berrios you know I would have gone there too honestly at that spot just to try to get some safe innings because you didn't catch up well in my opinion with Urias and Molly yeah they can probably give you great per innings pitch you know stats but uh i think you're gonna get hurt by the volume undoubtedly i think i'm gonna be hurting in k's but can i still like can you still place in a league where you're like maybe halfway in k's yeah so i'm really gonna have to be i'm really gonna have to hit on some of these guys to, to really be efficient i think right and i was just like saying like earlier with the with the double start things um it, it, it's you know it, it plays it plays a huge huge role in, in, you know, accumulating those stats over the year. And I don't think Ryan's going to start twice in a week, you know, Molly, maybe, um, it's just questionable, questionable, uh, depth in, in, in terms of your volume at starting pitching that I think might be, because it's not just going to be case, you know, it's just going to, if you're not accumulating that volume, bad, bad, bad outings are going to hurt you more, you know, they're not, they're not going to have, uh, it, it's not the impact won't be as softened by you having a good amount of workload b- behind it. All right. So um, let's go to uh, Molly round nine. I think it's like generally agreed. I, I needed pitching there. I needed to address pitching. Would you've gone with, is there a better option other than Molly? In I would have went Marquez for volume hundred yeah. um, percent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, also to draft champions, you know, uh, it, <laughs> His 200 innings, he faces, he throws, man. He throws, he's still young. His skill set's pretty solid. And I just think that you're, you know, that's an upside play where you need volume. And again, like maybe, you know, like if you if you start out with some some solid inning eaters and say, all right, you know what? Let me go with a guy like Molly here because maybe if he becomes um, elite, you know, it's, it's, it's just gravy. But right now you're counting on him to be, you're number two, I think, in my eyes. Because there's a yeah, there's a lot. I mean, I'm I'm not even that high as high on Marquez, although in best ball he's phenomenal. Right, great right. value. But Cor- Corbin, all right, maybe you don't like Corbin. I think Corbin's, you know, that was, was two months. You know, I think we we're, we're overreacting a little bit on him. He's someone that's got volume. Marco Gonzalez. I would have got Montas with the other guy was. Yeah, Montas. right? Yeah, yeah, Montas. Marco Gonzalez, Aaron Savale. Um, even six though, and Zach Eflin, a couple of rounds later, I think, you know, um, he's going to get you K's and he's going to get you numbers. I think Montas is a good shout. I, I mean, I, I'm getting, I'm probably overexposed on, not probably, I'm absolutely overexposed on Lance McCullers, but, um, uh, you got him, but, late uh, enough, you got him pretty late. Yeah, I got him. I got him late enough, but he, I, I just think, I don't know. Like, I think I, I, I don't think he, I think, you know, 
there's a better than even chance he gives you 130 innings, which and they'll be good. They'll be good. They'll be good innings. So he's, you know, which, and that's like, I mean, Molly is probably getting that, like they're in the same range for me in terms of like risk reward. So I had the Grom, Maeda, Greinke, who I think are going to give me innings. I mean, the Grom's obviously an ace. And then, so I felt that's why I went with McCullers there because maybe McCullers, you know, really takes a leap. Whereas if I had, a, uh, I think your start, I probably would have gone with someone like, Montas, Eflin, you know, someone like that in that range. And I think you also did a, like, Chris, you, you know, you got guys like Drew Pomeranz and um, Garrett, you know, maybe they give you those, you know, 90 to hundred innings as, as a reliever to supplement that. And I think Puck might even fall into that too. I didn't get a chance to comment on Puck, but he might even fall into that as well. And I think you said like, I think he's going to give you good starts, maybe not a ton, but around 25, I like what he could definitely, you know, can bring to your table. Um, yeah. One question. This is, this is not a roast pick. It's just, a, I was just, this name popped up to my head. Um, how do you guys feel? I don't know. I just don't like Jorge Alonco's ankle surgeries history in the last year. And I feel like nobody's talking about that being a possible risk. Did that scare you at all, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, no, it did. Um, I'm yeah. probably have a blind spot for Polanco. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I hear uh, that. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I, I, I like him a lot. Um, and I think one of the reasons just to, uh, to jump on that as to why I, it's a little, it's a, it's a risk as well is there are, there hasn't been anything explicit, but there's been a lot of um, just kind of undertones coming out of Minnesota about potential shortstops. And there's a possibility. There, he's probably, if you ask me, the pick that I'm the least happy with, because I think there's a non-zero chance he ends up in a super utility role. Now, I don't think he'll be a zero player, um, but I do think he'll, um, I do think he's, uh, he's got, there's downside where I took him uh, more than I needed to take on. Um, you know, I got the, the, I mean, look with, I, I, with with Cronenworth and Fletcher and others, you know, I backed them yeah, up. I've got I've got I've got some good depth there. Right. Um, but um, but it was I think that was a little bit of a. I probably that's probably his. Uh, I might have drafted him in his upside. You know what I mean? Like that maybe right. that's I, that's probably off. a place yeah. where that's if I twelfth round value would be pretty good for Polanco. Um, right. I, I love was, the skills. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally love that skill set. It's just those ankles bother me a little bit. Yeah, you know, yeah. He had a surgery prior to the season and after the season. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a, no, it's a good point. It's a good yeah. point. You know, when looking at these teams, I realize that like, it's so easy to, to nitpick like the, like the, the criticisms, but then it's so hard to find like something. You, it's, it's harder to find something you love because if you really loved somebody, you would have them on your team. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, but I, but I'm looking at these teams and I do admire like, like, Rob, you had like the great, you had great discipline near the end with like just accumulating those pictures, just uh, practicing what you preach, right? Accumulating those innings and staying away from um, just like the players that have less of a chance of actually um, helping you in those two start weeks, right? So I see a lot of that. Um, yeah, and 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 platoon like the, another big thing I took out of the process too was learning about platoon batters that are at risk for at bats, and I've just been really conscious of that split the. Jeff, Jeff's him and Montana Bell is called like the 600, 800 split for, for OPS versus, you know, other handedness. And that's when the alarm bells go off. So I, that's why too, I like to attack a ton of like quality bats and then just try to hit pitching late. It's just, um, I feel secure with, you know, better with guys who might not move off of plate appearances. So I just, 
again, like, and it's not, it's not sexy. I know it's just taking the old boring steady guys, but to me, they're, they're locked into playing time and they don't have any, you know, that lefty righty um, thing that might pop up to knock them out of plate appearances. And uh, one pick that I really like of yours is um, Yarbrough. Yarbrough is a guy that I haven't got yet. I know we talked about him, but that's a, it's a pick that, uh, like one of the picks I'm, 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 I'm looking to get him and I'm, I might just jump him like to pick 150 next time. Just so yeah, I, just so I, I think, get a share of him. I he's think gonna, that's he's going to keep rising too. I think that's pick. when pop, uh, Toby popped into the chat. He didn't say anything for two days. Then he's like, fuck you, Deadpool hitter. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know guy. That's a Toby guy. That's a Toby guy too. And um, yeah, to Chris, your team, um, you sniped me a couple of times, man. You were, we were drafting next to each other. Uh, obviously, uh, obviously at Albies. It kind of sounds like Ozzy Albies, but yeah, I like your Myers pick. Um, I like that, like, you, you took J.D. Martinez, but you also, um, and he, it's obviously going to hamstring you for, like, just using your utility spot, but on the same token, you're conscious of that, and you you have all these, um, like, Cronenworth, Fletcher, uh, Biggio, like, you got a lot of flexibility there to to move those guys around and um, plan in case, like, your Adele hits or someone else hits, like, um, even Bauer, like, you might've got like the latest position uh, dual eligible guy there in Bowers. And did you get, right. you got Bowers. I like how you did the monopoly board with Bowers and Zimmer. Like yeah. yeah. I've got a, I've got a, I've got a soft spot for, for Zimmer. I mean, he's one of those guys I've been waiting for, for one of these years, you know, he's going to do it. And uh, <laughs> I think he actually had a pretty good OBP last year. Um, if I'm remembering right, but they also didn't give him a lot of run. Uh, I, I got to be honest with you. I do not understand the way Cleveland manages their outfield, though. So I right. haven't. I've been trying to figure that out for like the last five years, and I can't figure it out. So yeah, I don't know what to make of our Oscar Mercado this year. Like, yeah. I know people are. I know people are like are in on him at his price this year, but I'm still not. Right. I love your Thor pick too, where you got him too, Chris. So. Yeah. I got him in both drafts. I try to be, yeah, like a little unbiased from a Met fan perspective, but you know, but. Again, like it's the full context. It's the bulldog mentality too that he has. You know, the, yeah. the willingness to say, yeah. "I'm ready." Like, come on, yeah. like, don't hold me back. I love it. I love it. Well, I think it's, this, even this, if you get like the hundred innings, right? You were talking about Puck right. with like eighty, right. hundred. Like his a hundred yep. innings <laughs> at, toward the end of the year might be really stellar for you. So I like well, that stab right there. Yeah, so that's a, that's a that's a, a place where like, you know, I am. You know, no. Hopefully, the well, hopefully the Mets are under a new regime and. They got a new medical staff and everything's great. And by the way, my Yankees have been pretty bad at managing injuries over the last couple of years, but the Mets have been comical, right? And yeah, so, for me, for, for, so for me, I'm like, okay, you know what? Thor, I, I, I'm not buying Thor in Dynasty. I'm not like, you know, I, I'm sure the Mets, are, they say they're going to, he's ready to come back. He wants to come back. The Mets are going to let him come back. They said they're being aggressive with him. And I'm like, fantastic. So like, it, if he, you know, look, if his, if his arm breaks in the middle of the year, I'll get my hundred innings. Not it's not a guy to invest in long term necessarily because I, if I was the Mets, I'd be taking. I think the way the Red Sox are handling Chris Sale and being like, "Hey, we're going to take it easy. We're going to take it slow. We're going to wait until you're absolutely a hundred percent, hundred and ten percent. Then you'll get in the game." Whereas with the the Mets are going the opposite direction, and part of that's about their contention window, and I get that, right? But for right. me, um, I think Syndergaard they're pushing him like he might, they're saying he might be ready for opening day, and even if he comes back in in May, quite frankly. At, uh, at pick twenty two, I'm fine with it. And 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 around twenty two, sorry. 
what's the biggest difference, right? Is Chris Dale is the second year into a huge contract yep, and, yep. and Thor's a free agent next year. You so so they're, they're going it's, for it. It's a big, for it's a big driver. I love, I know, I know. And again, we're talking about context in the picks and that's, he's going to be pumped. He's going to be motivated. And if he, if he comes out firing and he's ready, it's, it's a great pick at pick 22. I think. So guys, yeah, I think especially could you have some, you know, really good solid pitching in front of that where you just, if you could lean into 120 innings of him, even 100 innings, it's pretty good. I think we had four things on the agenda. So, Rob, do you, do you sympathize with me how difficult it is to keep within a time limit? Yeah, and you know what's so crazy? <clears throat> I have a, I've been, uh, I have a common correlation here between pods I do like a, 11 a.m. at noon and then pods that I do at 8 or nine o'clock at night. And the ones I do at 11 o'clock at noon end up being an hour. And the ones I do at night end up being two. So I don't know what it is. This one's kind of like in the middle, I feel like, but I think I never, I never want to suppress. I never want to like stop conversation. I'm not, I'm not going to motor to the next thing I have on, on the tab. And because this is where we get the best stuff, you know, we've had some, we've had some super helpful conversations, like even for myself. And I think, I, I hope, I, I hope I've added something too, but I think that this pod has been very informative, like at least like compared to last night, um, like, no, but, um, like in terms of actual like fantasy, like, yeah, what you've uh, added is you set this up too. You know, you came yeah. with great questions, you know, you, you set up the, the whole league, you set up the pod, you're getting guys to discuss their picks. So that has value alone, bro. Besides, oh, I, love it. I love this. This is great. Yeah, this is a hundred percent great. Yeah. And, you know, and, and what I want to say about Mike Demont before. Like, I, I know you brought up Mike saying you got the prison mentality. The way I look at things sometimes is you could feel a way about me, but at least you feel something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a good way to look at it. That's one of my favorite lines. But, yeah. But it doesn't, doesn't matter. You're doing what you're doing. I think you're, you're, you're proving it in the drafts. You're proving it on your podcast. You're having great guests. Like I've listened to all your podcasts, and I think you're just like a, such a riser in, in this in this community and it's just awesome so yeah uh, good for you uh deadpool hitter on twitter and then at deadpool hitter on twitter yes and, and then the, pull hitter the pod yep at pull hitter pod is the uh pod page and i got a website pullhitter.com which hasn't uh i haven't we um i haven't gotten back into the written aspect yet of things um i want to there's a couple of things holding me back from doing that but um hopefully eventually i get back into doing those things and yeah I'm always open for dialogue and talking about sports and, you know, baseball, whatever, basketball. I think it's great that we're grabbing like some like listeners and getting them on the shows. I think it's just, it's just so like, um, so awesome. Like when, when, when they talk to you afterwards and tell, tell you like how, how fun it was. It just Extremely it, fulfilling, man. I, I, so worth it. Yeah. I was just having this conversation with Jake. Like who, like who could have thought like I, I never thought it could be this uplifting, um, yeah. you know, having, having Torres on and it was his first time and he knocked it out of the park and, you know, he tweeted he out about great. how he was struggled with anxiety a little bit and how all the feedback for him, he like feels different and he must feel amazing. And I, I, I feel amazing to be a part of that. It's just, it's great. So I love it. I just I want to keep doing to it that. every day. Yeah. I was happy to see that. So yeah. Chris, he's a good boy. Good boy. With a bright future. Baseball pods. And you got yeah, your, at baseball pods. At, yeah, at baseball pods on Twitter, baseball-pods.com. Like Rob, I'm hoping to ramp up some writing soon. There, there's a the last thing I did was um, uh, right before the new year, put out a dynasty 500 list that also right. has like about 150 prospects in it. So if you're looking for alternative dynasty rankings to 
the great ones that people like Ian Khan and, and, uh, and Eric Cross do. Um, definitely take a look at, uh, at baseball-pods.com. And uh, you know, we'll be doing the podcast tournament probably starting at some point in February, I'm thinking. Um, so that'll be fun to do. Just bringing the community back together, just to reiterate to everyone out there, it is all about fun and supporting each other and uplifting new voices. You know, Deadpool hitter, make, you know, see what, what seat it gets is making its debut this year. I might vote for you, but there's a, there's a lot. I mean, people will be surprised. I'll so, bet there are so five, good stuff five to 10 pods that are brand new that um, were not there last year. That will at least 10 new pods that, that opened up in a season when baseball paid, played 60 games, you know? Nice. So, I mean, just like, there's a lot of passion in this community and, uh, and a lot of good spirit. We also have a lot of work to do, but um, I'm just really uh, happy to, thanks for having me on Zach. Always appreciate the opportunity. And thanks also for setting up the podcast league because like, like Rob was saying, or was it Kanye was saying, um, I, I learned, uh, I learned a ton. Um, I learned a ton <laughs> in, uh, in, in, in this, in not only in our conversation today, but on the, on the DM and through doing the draft against these guys who we're just all trying to get better and have a good time and be respectful of each other and poke a little fun. There's nothing wrong with the, as long as everybody's, everybody's coming in with the right attitude. This is, this is entertaining. Yeah. Play the game. Yeah. Play the game. Absolutely. And Chris, yeah, the, the, the pod tournament, it's just, you know, at a time where, I mean, not only the pandemic, but other stuff in my life came to a screeching halt. It was like everything I needed. I, you know, just dove in and listened to everything that I wasn't listening to. It was just perfect. It was, you know, it was perfect thing to put together. So really so grateful that you did that because it opened my eyes to, you know, like you said, like all the other guys who were just, you know, trying to get their foot in and, and you know, I was just, just listening to everything. It was an easy way to just identify, Oh, this guy's playing. Oh, let me listen to this podcast. It was, it was really awesome. So if not for that um, bracket tournament, I would never have gotten into a DM fight with an ex porn star. <laughs> Oh my God. All right. We've heard enough about that. All right. Also, also, also another thing too, Chris, right? If you, if you guys need a guy to head up your website. Oh yeah. We know a guy. We know a guy. We know a guy. We know a guy. It's a good point. It's a good point. Uh, my, uh, this is one of Rob and I's first connections is uh, my brother-in-law, Efrain Ramos is a, a, a really great guy and works for very reasonable rates and can do logos Absolutely. and websites and will like hook you up with a really good deal. And like for people that, so, you know, the joke for me was, and it's partially true. I mean, partially I want to get my analysis out there. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously have an opinion I'm trying to share. That's why I started the website. But the real thing that put me over the edge was when Justin Mason told me if I wanted to get into TGFBI, I needed to have a website. So, or a pot. So, so I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to build a website. So I did. And, uh, and so when, when Rob called me up, I was like, Hey, you know, you know, what, your website's nice. You know, anybody good that can do how, you know, what you do. My brother, Efron Ramos, he's at rodeo bot on Twitter, R O D E O B O T on Twitter. Yeah, I, I just remember checking out her site. I loved it. It was nice and clean and original. And I'm like, Ooh, I like this design. And yeah, he, he made me a, Great, you know, great logo, great site. And like Chris said, it's, it's 
the effort and like the ease of communication was just awesome. It was way, it was way better of an experience that I was anticipating with, you know, possibly getting that stuff rolling. So yeah. Awesome. Was, I wanted to get that out there because he's such a great dude. On that topic. I know we're just, keep, we're just, we're, we're just keeping on and keeping on going, but I'm, I'm actually going to get a, a theme song for my podcast instead of the, um, instead of the intro music. So I'm working with uh, Mike Govier on that. And oh boy. Oh, I, so, I thought you were going to do a rap song like Matt, Matt Williams. Well, uh, no, I don't think that's my style. Um, I, I do like Matt Williams' <laughs> style, but um, you can Mike Govier. He's, he's an awesome guy. MJ Govier on Twitter. Follow, give him a follow and give his is, podcast. Is there going to be follow. chicken involved? <laughs> that is, that is, I cannot he, wait to hear that. He's he one of my, got, he's one of my favorite people. Absolutely. He has a weird Al Yankovic quality oh, to, his, to his music. And I, and I say that with the utmost respect as a big fan. Like I am, I love the energy. Govier is the best. But also, just like I can't imagine musically what he's going to create for you. Is no, no, I, 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 we have it done already. So, have you? Oh you, wow! Do you know? Well, no, I, I gave him the lyrics, and he's actually it's like a it's like a Weird Al type thing. And I gave yeah. him the lyrics. I, I, I wrote him a whole lyrics. I mean, it's a one hit wonder song. You know, um, remember the song uh, "Are You Jimmy Ray"? What is it? No, it's a one hit wonder. I'll send not it. Not my you. genre, I guess. Okay. It's, it's not a just. I don't even know. It's like a '90s song. It's um. You'll you'll know it if you hear it. I'll send it to you guys. And, okay. All right. And it's uh. It's kind of like a pop '90s song, and um, I'm definitely not going to try and sing it for you guys. But we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna change the we, we we're gonna change the lyrics, and it's gonna it might work, it might not, but it's gonna be something fun. Can't wait. I can't right, wait either. All, all right. right, Zach. All right. Thanks again. Sorry Thank you, went, man. Sorry we went long. No, it's no been great, man. This is all this is all I love in my life right here. So this is great. Thank you, Jack. Right. Love you guys. Take care, man. Right. Love you. you too. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Bye, babes. <laughs>